This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crange alongside, as always, the King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Now, I want to be introduced (laughs) as the man with the perfectly honed instincts. From this point forward. The man with the perfectly honed instincts. Is that what That's we right. want? Okay. Perfectly honed instincts. So I should say that this, over I should also say the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is presented by my bookie, of course. So we'll do it all over again with with, with my perfectly honed okay. instincts. Okay, all right, all right. So what so it perfectly honed let me let me jot this down real quick so I can make sure. It, it perfectly honed instincts is what I'm saying. The man the with man the, the man honed. with the perfectly honed. I capitalized the is that fine? Yes. Like the man with the perfectly honed instincts. Perfectly honed instincts. That's okay. right. All right. <clears throat> all right. And I I will be ready for this. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Five, four, three. Oh, I guess we don't have to do that part again. Anyway. All right. And welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast presented by my bookie. I'm Rich Creech alongside the man with the perfectly honed instincts, Mr. Joe Lanza. Hello, Joe. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How how perfect are those perfectly honed instincts? I it's just you know it. People continue to doubt me and look <laughs> foolish. I mean, it's it really is incredible. It's like something new every week where people will doubt me and uh, talk trash on me behind my back and and subtweet me, and tell me I'm the one with guts, telling me I'm wrong right to my face. And it's just incredible. It's like how at this point, how can you still doubt? My perfectly honed instincts. After eight years of being right on nearly everything, how do people still doubt my perfectly honed instincts? It it, it blows my mind. What's particularly got you uh, 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 doing the Barry Horowitz backpack uh, right now? What doesn't? I mean, I'm having having a hell of a week. You know? I mean, first of all, um, once again, when Joe Lanza shoots on a potential star, he don't miss. Ben Carter is the hottest free agent in wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the talk, well, I mean, today, for, for bad reasons, but for the most part, yeah, over the last few weeks has been one of the big talks of, of the entire uh, wrestling industry. And, and many people trying to pull him in many different directions to get him. So, yeah, no, definitely. And where did many people hear about Ben Carter first? This podcast, Rich. Months ago, telling people that this was the next guy. And now the secret's out because of these matches he's been having in in AEW. And and speaking of AEW, we are now week three into mid card Miro. Oh my god! Are we, are we doing the are, do, are we doing the Miro thing right now? Uh I know you want to do the Miro thing. So, I mean, because you're part of this, of course. 
You too had the perfectly honed instincts three weeks ago when we tried to tell the world that that was a terrible debut. Nobody listened. People are too wrapped up in the dopey Gucci outfit to miss the forest <laughs> through the trees. You know, and and here we are three weeks in, and each week gets progressively worse than the last with how they're rolling this man out. Again, we warned everyone. This is mid-card Miro, and they've done nothing to dissuade us from the fact that this man, that this whole entire rollout and introduction has been a complete bust. Again, perfectly honed instincts. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. Go ahead, Rich. I know you want no, to No, I mean, I mean, honestly, it, 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 we we're going to save it till later in the show, but as you're kind of, you know, patting yourself on the back there, I, 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 have, to, I have to do the same uh, as well. And I'm not dancing on the grave of, of, of Miro. I don't want Miro to suck. Like, I would love if Miro ripped his shirt off we said the best way to have him debut is he comes out, he's wearing some dopey little, you know, best man's outfit or whatever. You know what I mean? Like a little suit or something like that or or like a, a whatever you want to do. He's just wearing whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking, he could wear that fucking Gucci Mickey Mouse thing. I don't give two shits. What he does is Kip Sabian kind of taps him on the shoulder and goes, how's it going, buddy? And Miro just gives him a look like, I'm not your fucking buddy, dude. <laughs> I'm not your best man. I'm nothing. Rips the shirt off and fucking destroys the guy in the middle of the ring and lets the world know that Miro has arrived. Instead, he goes, yeah, I'm friends with this guy. I I like video games. They, you know, Excalibur says, oh, these guys are friends on Twitch. That's awesome. They're friends on Twitch. We get a bunch of people, you know, he's wearing fucking pajamas. Again, we had that whole discussion. We're not going to do that again. And, you know, I would say, I will say that, you know, the the in-between week of him kind of lifting weights was like, okay, cool. There we go. He's a a big, strong boy. He's obviously gained some muscle mass as a, a proclaimed effort guy. Uh, self-proclaimed effort guy, or you, you call me a body guy, I'm an effort guy, I'm not a body guy. Uh, Miro, obviously putting in that effort over, over his, you know, over the time of, of being away from WWE, looks great, traps are out of this world, bigger than ever, and you see that in the late, late thing, and like, all right, cool, here we go. He comes out this week, and I'm like, all right, perfect opportunity for Miro to go in there, and he's against Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, and that's like, when I saw that it was those two, I was like, oh, what a fucking layup this is going to be. Kip Sabian's going to dance around. He'll, Kip Sabian's going to want to start the match and, and do some stuff and get his shit in or whatever. Then he's going to tag Miro, and hopefully Sonny Kiss or Janela just go, oh, shit, oh, no. And Miro comes in there, takes them both down, locks them both in the fucking... Uh, now it's called the game over, which, again, another fucking terrible thing about his character. And I'm a video gamer as well, but I don't want you know my badass 35-year-old you know Miro to be a, a, a Twitch streamer video gamer. But regardless... Worked like, well. Worked well for TJ Perkins. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought, okay, he's going to tag in. These guys are going to, you know. Nothing screams tough guy professional wrestler like, uh, <laughs> like, like, like playing Chrono Trigger for a bunch of nerds on Twitch. <laughs> hey, now. Nothing hey, now. Hold on a minute. Is he actually playing Chrono Trigger? I just named a oh, geeky okay. game. Right. I don't know. How dare you. Now, now okay, you, now I'm mad at you. Hold on. Wait, wait. Why are you throwing Chrono Trigger under the bus? Nothing if you're just a normal person. Okay. But if you're trying to portray yourself as a tough guy pro wrestler, it's probably not a good look no, it's to, not. Uh, yeah. to have your most outstanding personality trait. <laughs> he plays the video play, games. <laughs> yeah, I play Kingdom Hearts on Twitch. That's not like, you know what I mean? Like, I, thought, I, did feel, I did feel like 700 years old when Excalibur said the game that him and Kip Sabian play, and I had no idea what the game was. I had never even heard of it. 
I was just like, oh boy, that's not great for me or I guess for him because he's not, you know, 20 years old. He's not 17. He's a grown man. So anyway, I, I was thinking that he's going to tag in. Those guys are going to bounce off of him, and he's going to drop them both on the ground, lock them both in the you know the, the, the camel clutch or whatever, the former whatever the hell it was called, now the game over, and just tap both, both people tap out at the same time because Miro is just too much for them to handle. Instead, they had like a middling back and forth 15-minute match where they fucked everything up. Miro twisted his ankle. He's on fucking he's, – he's selling for Sonny Kiss and Joey Janelle. I'm just like, oh, my God. And then it was over, and I was like, yep. Nah, this thing's not working. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe we'll be I, proven wrong. But uh, first impressions are, you know, you only have Rich. one first impression. And now we're two, three weeks in. And uh... Here's the thing that people don't understand. There's a, there's, a, there's a burden in being right all the time. I don't want to be right all the time. <laughs> I wish. I wish we were wrong sometimes. It'd be nice. I, I want to be wrong about Miro. I am still holding out hope. That that uh, that they can turn Miro around because I want to see this work, but we are now into week three, and if we don't start turning this thing around fast, he is going to be firmly entrenched as mid card Miro, which who came out here week one and warned everybody that that was the direction things were going. Here's how that match last night needed to go, Rich. In spite. Of the horrible debut in the pajamas where you're associated with Kip Sabian in a comedy segment with Puff. In spite of whatever the weightlifting thing was last week, which was a wasted week, where you didn't regain any of the momentum you lost by the bad debut. I didn't hate that. I, I, will, I won't lie. I did not hate that. If he comes back this week, it destroys people. But It did nothing for him. Right, I mean, exactly. It just, right. It was a holding it, pattern and that you're thinking, okay, well, now that's kind of like the, maybe the it's the bridge. It's that little gap. And now he comes back and he's all business the next week. So now, okay, we've made these mistakes along the way. Clearly, the debut is shaky at best. Okay? So even if you keep all of that, and even if you do this match against Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, a prelim tag team, here's all they needed to do to handle this. First of all, Kip Sabian shouldn't even have been in the match. This should have been Rusev, or Miro, whatever his name is, versus both of those men with Kip Sabian as the annoying manager on the outside. And then Miro should have beat both of these jabronis in a matter of minutes, stacked them on top of one another, put a foot on their chest, and pinned them at the same time. That's how you handle this match. You don't go 13 minutes with this jabroni team that only wins matches on dark. I mean, you couldn't have botched his first match worse. And then on top of all that, the match was terrible, which isn't necessarily his fault because I don't think it was it was terrible because of him. Joey Janela had an off night. We're Joey Janela fans. I like the guy. He would tell you he had an off night. Okay, it wasn't a good match. Everything, everything was bad. Everybody had a bad night that night. Sonny Kiss, I, I was maybe the best performer of the entire thing. Rusev was fucking everything up. Kip Sabian's kind of always shitty, and Joey had a, had a rough night as well. So yeah, and 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 then when when Miro did roll his ankle or whatever, or hurt his knee or whatever the hell it was, from that point forward, the match never, ever, ever got up back on track again. And and not that it was on track before that either. You're not pushing Sonny Kiss and Janela right now, no, anyway. Who cares? He should have <laughs> just beat both of them by himself. Should have been a handicap match, right? And then you have the announcers. They could set it up perfectly. Oh, he might, this might be a mistake for Miro, biting off more than he can chew. This tag team's eight and three. Uh, they've got good, you know, they're a cohesive unit. Uh, we all know that they're tough to deal with. Then he destroys them. 
and they talk about how impressed they are with how Miro just beat two men at once and how the rest of the AEW singles division is possibly going to handle this man. Why is this hard, Rich? I don't know. I don't know. It is. Is my scenario not a million times better? No, than what yeah, you did? I, 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 my, my scenario, your scenario, all those were better than you know. He plays video games with Kip Sabian. They relate on that level, and here he is wearing a Gucci Mickey Mouse thing. And and the thing that I love hearing about this too, which is just the funniest retort to like complaints about it, is well, he's doing what he wants to do. He loves this. I don't give two fucks what he loves. Well, then he don't have a clue. Yeah, then he's an idiot, <laughs> and somebody to tell him no. Miroslav, you're not, no, you're not, I don't care if you like doing it, do it on your free time, you know, every other hour of this entire week, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but we're this hour, on Wednesday nights, this is what I want from you, you can go do whatever you want on Twitch afterwards, you can go do whatever you want on Twitch, from fucking Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but on this day, on Wednesdays, this is what I want from you, sir, and I cannot imagine that that thing is video game guy that's here having fun and has 50-50 matches with Sonny Kiss. Enjoy Janelle. Here's, so. here's, the thi- here's the thing about it, though. It's – this is – the fault of this is sometimes it's it, – AEW kind of prides themselves on allowing the wrestlers to have some creative input. Sure, yeah. And have some creative freedom. And sometimes that works. And it's clearly worked in a lot of cases. And, and uh, you know, wrestlers have uh, – come across far better in AEW than they have in other places because they're allowed to stretch their legs and have some input and cut their own promos. But Rich, sometimes you're going to have a situation like this where it's a dud and it doesn't work out. And the wrestler doesn't know what's best for himself or herself. And that's when Mid-South Tony needs to step in and say, listen, this is, this is not working out how we planned. You know, you're, you know, you're firmly entrenching yourself in the mid-card here. Now look, I'm still not writing him off because I'm stubborn. But if he's going to turn on Kip Sabian, and that ultimately is the plan, it's got to happen soon. It's got to have some impact. And you can't wait too much longer to where the perception of him is just a geek who hangs out with another geek. And, and, and you know, that'll be tough to shake at that point. Shit or get off the pot if he's going to split up with, Sa- uh, with Kip Sabian and this was just a device to get him into the company. The problem, Rich, is I'm getting the impression that he's not going to turn nah, out. I think kids. this is it. I think this is, yeah, the, the game over. I mean, that, that with that being his, when, when they said, oh, that's the game over. We're calling that move the game over. I went, uh-oh, that is game over for me. Because once you establish that, it, it, it that leads me to believe that that is his character now, is Miroslav the Twitch streamer, who is yeah. friends with Kip Sabian, who also is on Twitch. Yeah, you know, and, and the other Sucks. big counter argument you hear outside of, well, he's being himself. Um, is, well, young audiences connect with video games and Gucci. Okay, I, I don't disagree. But when you present somebody in that light, okay, I don't have a problem with presenting people in that light if they're going to be prelim guys or mid-card guys. That's fine. There should have been bigger designs and bigger plans for this guy than being a mid card. Yeah, or they're twenty years old and not thirty six or whatever the hell he is, too. Right, and it has to fit exactly <laughs> right. that too, because as we said a million times, I mean, you give this gimmick to someone else who it fits their aura better, then there's no problem with it, you know. And it's like here's what's universal though, here's what appeals to all demographics. Okay, people who kick ass and come across tough. And have personal issues with other people on the we're roster. Gonna talk, we're going to talk about that, that here in a minute. We're going to talk about uh, somebody who who died this week that was very good at that thing that you're about to talk about. So, yes. That cuts across 
all demographics. Okay. You know, you can do the gimmicky stuff on your undercard all day long and I don't have a problem with it. And, and again, if ultimately this is what Miro is, we're going to jump, we're going to hop off of this soapbox and never complain about it again. If he's mid card Miro, he's mid card Miro. If he's just there to collect the check and be tongue in cheek video game guy, that, that's fine. It's just disappointing because you could do that with anyone. Right. Well, we, we will stop talking. And, that, and that's the thing that I think people always get mixed up with, with, with you and I is that when we really complain about something, when we really get annoyed about something, it's because we want it to be better. We want it to be good. We want to enjoy it. You're, you're going to hear us with the most, the laziest bullshit WWE preview you have ever heard in your life here later in the show because we just don't care anymore. The, f- the first six years of the show, we cared. And we went, Joe, I can't believe they're doing this with this guy. And that I don't care anymore. Now I just now I don't get mad. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. All right, cool. Clash Champions. All right, cool. There we go. We're done. When we when we complain about something, it's because we want it to be good more times than not. We don't usually complain about shit that we hate. The American Indies. We don't, we don't complain because we hate the American Indies. We want the American Indies to be great. You know, we don't complain uh, about stuff in New Japan because we, you know, want New Japan to suck. We want it to be good. Like, everything that we complain or, or give time to is because we want it to be good. And that's the thing with, with, with Miro is, like, you know, if I didn't care, if I just thought he was going to be a dude on the mid-card I'd, and, and that was his ceiling, then, yeah, we wouldn't. I'd say, okay, whatever, yeah. Miro's an AEW, cool. But the fact that we think he's so much more, that we think he's has so much more potential is what makes us so, you know, angry and, and, and you know, opinionated about it. So, yeah. Uh, well, if people would trust my perfectly honed instincts on these things. <laughs> they would know. I mean, these are the kind of things that we're never wrong about. And let me say something else. This is number three, and I was saving this one for last. This is my magnum opus of being right. This is my greatest victory lap of all time. Because all of my hardest of the hardcore haters have been coming at me for over a week on this one. And I have been proven so right that they are all backpedaling and adjusting their takes and scrambling into trying to find an angle to still say that I was wrong. But, Rich, I couldn't have been more right about this one. The people listening to the daily tournament audio know that I was dead on, one million percent correct on Kazuchika Okada working like shit as a storyline. It has now been confirmed. He's talking about it in his post-match promos. Right. Kota Ibushi is talking about it. Yeah, that's the moment. The moment, and I think I tweeted out about it as well. I just kind of said jokingly, you know, oh, Okada's washed, or this is now a story because, like, Kota Ibushi goes, like, yeah, this guy kind of sucked tonight, didn't he? (laughs) It's like, you know, if Kota Ibushi's saying that, like, that's the story now. There's no way that Kota Ibushi would be like, ah, bro kind of sucks now. I don't know what the hell happened unless, yeah, of course, that is going to be a story. And and now Okada's coming out and saying, yeah, dude, I just didn't have it that night. I don't know. I sucked. I won, but uh, it wasn't my best effort. So, yes, we're we're good. I've got to figure out what to do to change. This isn't working. This was all a story all along. And quite honestly, I couldn't believe that people were disagreeing with me to begin with. Did you watch the Ibushi match? Did you see him do none of his signature stuff? Did you see him blow the match at the end because he tried something stupid? Did you watch him lose to Yano? Did you watch the match against Yujiro where, again, he didn't do any of his signature He did moves? hit the dropkick, which, by the way, looked exactly how an Okada dropkick does, despite the fact that his back and knees and everything is shot, so... Well, he also blew the drop. Yujiro also evaded the drop kick multiple times. Yes, because then he, uh, he realized, okay, I can do the drop kick. Oh, cool, I got my drop kick again. And he just kept doing it, <laughs> and like it didn't work every single time. So he's yet to hit a rainmaker since. Try- Has he tried? Has he even tried one? He's not even. It's, it, 
this is the story here. And, and listen, the fact No, I believe that Okada just sucks so much now that he doesn't even bother trying to remake her anymore. So Let's put aside the fact that I was right that they're telling a story here because that part's obvious now. All of my haters are now adjusting uh, uh, their their counter takes and, <laughs> and pretending that, that, that they had a, a – you know, it, it's pretty embarrassing to watch them all scramble now since they people hate when I'm right because listen to me when I – listen to me gloat when I'm right. It's no pretty annoying. Right. I'm annoyed and, and, and I'm your co-host, so yeah. So I get it, okay? You know, it, it really bothers them that I was right about this one because they came at me from all ang- – I was like the only person on this lonely island of this is all a story. Because I pay attention. I, I, it's just like other people don't pay attention. Like, what are you watching? You're watching something else. Um, but, but let's put aside that I was right about this. Because that part's obvious. I want to be clear. The work here is not that he's having bad matches on purpose. That is not the work. It's a little more subtle than that. The work here is that this is a wrestler who used to be on top. Who, for whatever reason is trying to do it a different way now, okay? He's trying to win matches a different way. He's claiming he doesn't care about the double title. Um, he's clearly working. He, he's eliminated a lot of his uh, signature moves, doesn't even attempt them anymore, the dive over the rail and, uh, you know, the, the rainmaker, and, and you can go right down the line. And one of the byproducts of him attempting to work a different way and being awkward in the ring, which he's also clearly doing on purpose, Okay, is that the matches aren't as good as they were with the way he was working before. Am I making sense to you? Yeah, I get it. No, I I get it. Don't worry. I get it. (laughs) He's not going out there with the idea of, all right, I'm going to go out there and have a shitty match. He's going out there to work this angle and work this story of being a man who's trying to do it a different way. but But it's awkward. Because he's trying something new. Uh, his Every time he tries the money clip, he struggles to mm-hmm. put it on. Do people legitimately think after all this time he doesn't know how to apply the move? Are you really that dense? <laughs> could, you, could you really be that dense to think that he legitimately doesn't know how to apply the move? Yeah, and, and, the, and the, the retort it's, I hear from a lot of people is that, like, you know, yes, it's, it, it, it's a shitty story. And, and I agree. You might think it's a shitty story. You might think it's kind of I annoying. I was going to get yeah. that. It is a te- look. It's the matches stink. Yeah, the man. I mean, we had a, a just a wasted Kota Bushi Okada match, which is not good uh, given what we've had. It's just like, damn, we really wanted like you know something good here. Yujiro, whatever. If you want to tell that story with Yujiro, I think he should have lost Yujiro. Honestly, we'll, we'll talk about that I when we talk about the G one. too. Absolutely, he should have lost that match. But it's like, and I'm not even saying you have to like this story, Rich. I don't like the story. I'd rather see Okada going out there having great matches. Than, than, than to, to, to watch these bad matches, which are a byproduct of the story he's telling. Okay? Uh, I just want people to acknowledge that I was right all along. <laughs> this was a story. It was obvious to me. Uh, you know, but I think there's a couple different issues at play. Number one, people just love disagreeing with me because they hate me, and I understand that. I've been doing this eight years. People don't like me, and they love to disagree with me. The other thing is people badly wanted to use this as their confirmation bias that Okada has washed up because a lot of this is coming from people who are not Okada fans. 
A lot of this is coming from people who are tired of Okada getting all kinds of praise, while whoever their fave is doesn't get the same kind of praise from people like Dave Meltzer or maybe even people like us or mm-hmm. whoever the fuck. Okay, yeah, so we're, it's we're like, chasemakers on that level. I mean, it, it, it's we, we've seen that over the years. You know, we we kind of gravitate towards somebody, we put somebody over, and slowly but surely, you know, legions of fans now start to say, ah, you know, actually, Katsubihara is not good. <laughs> you know, oh like, yeah, uh, we definitely. Oh, no doubt about it. And it's like. You know, and I, I like Okada. He's not like one of like he's not one of my favorite wrestlers of all time or anything, but I like him. I'm a fan of his. But it's like I think there's some of that too, where it was like, oh well, this is our chance to get him because he's having these bad matches, and and you know maybe this. Is, so it's like, and that's what fandom's about. You know, this is all in good fun. Sure. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I'm just, you know I'm kind of doing now. Look, I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> I was gonna say somewhat I'm, gimmick about well, forty forty four point five percent gimmick here, but you know. I'm half serious and half doing a bit. You know what I mean? It's good. It's good audio material. It's getting me through these tournament shows. You know, you can't just come on these tournament shows and sit there and recap the moves. Nobody cares. Right. You've created your own feud. You're going Michael Jordan style here where you've just decided that Thunder Dan Marley said some bullshit about you. So now you're upset at Thunder Dan Marley. And it's motivating you to get through these. Let me be clear. People really came at me for this. I mean, I'm not making that part up. Like, I'm we're getting subtweeted, and people are calling me nuts in chat rooms and discords and whatnot, and they're <laughs> mocking me. And it, this, I'm telling you, though, this is my magnum opus of being right. I have never been happier about a victory lap than I am about this one. I wanted this one so bad, Rich. I knew I was right all along, but we needed the confirmation. I needed that Okada post-match promo. I needed commentary to talk about it. I needed Kota Ibushi to say, yeah, I won tonight, but man, Okada was really off his game. And uh, I couldn't beat him in January, and I want to face the guy I faced in January again. Did people not hear that promo after the first match? That wasn't enough of a clue for you? You literally had to hear it come out of Okada's match two nights later? So yeah, this is my – I've never felt better about being right than I feel about this one. And because I know that it's eating away, it's eating away at them that I was right about this one because they finally thought they had me. They finally thought they had me, Rich. And let me tell you something. They don't have me now and they'll never have me. You know why? Because I have perfectly honed instincts and people need to understand that if you come at me, you're really putting your neck out there because I'm very rarely wrong about these things. I know what I'm talking about. Get into it. <laughs> there it is. All right. We got plenty to talk about today. We got a loaded show. We're going to check in uh, on the G1 Climax. Did a little bit there, but we're going to go through every single guy, uh, talk about where they're at so far, where, where what they've done so far in the G1, and some standout matches, or kind of the thoughts of, you know, four four nights in, uh, sort of the, the, the narrative around each uh, wrestler so far in the G1. We're going to do the same, or at least briefly do it for the N1 Victory 2020, which you were doing both of those uh, over at patreon.com slash voices of wrestling as well, doing a daily audio. Uh, anytime those shows are happening, you're doing reviews at patreon.com slash voice wrestling. $5 tier, which is awesome uh, that you're doing that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit. Well, we, did, we kind of did the AEW, but I, I think we do have to talk about the COVID uh, uh, positives coming in from Florida, from AEW. A lot of whispers, a lot of kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge of some other names. More may come out as we're doing the show. I'm kind of checking it as we go, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, rumor has it there's a WWE pay-per-view this weekend. Um, we asked our Twitter followers. Uh, 69% of them said that no, there is not a WWE pay-per-view going on this weekend. So I don't know. I found a list of matches. I'm not sure if it's for this weekend, if it's next. I don't know what it is. But apparently WWE Clash of Champions is happening. And apparently these are matches. That's the rumor going around. I don't know. Whatever. Um, we'll also touch on... Yeah. There, isn't there two? There's a takeover as well. Uh, takeover's on the 4th of October. That one I can confirm is happening. Shows how much I know. 
Yes. I may but... have perfectly honed instincts, but I don't have, uh, <laughs> you have no, <laughs> no, no reach for WWE schedule it. anymore. No, nobody has any idea what the hell is going on with the WWE schedule anymore. So, um, yeah, yeah no, they, they're, they're rumor has it there's a pay per view this uh, Sunday, Clash of Champions, but officially I can confirm October 4th there is an NXT TakeOver. It does not have a sub name, it's just NXT TakeOver. Whatever. Because. <laughs> And I don't know if the card's done because half the roster has a COVID. So, uh, and then we're also going to talk about the Dragon Gates uh, cage match as well. It had a uh, big uh, steel cage main event from Dangerous Gates uh, 2020. But before we do any of that, though, uh, we do have to start the show uh, with an un- some unfortunate news. And that is the passing away of Road Warrior Animal. He joins Road Warrior Hawk, who passed away. Man, what, what 2006, I want to say, Hawk? Uh, passed away. I do not have that in front of me. I think it's 2005, 2006, somewhere in that range. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, news earlier this week. That Rotor Animal passed away at, I believe he was, what, 60, I think he was? So, not, you know. 60, yeah. Yeah, not young, but not, you know, not old well, either, so. <laughs> he, he probably shouldn't be dying at 60. No. I mean, I I didn't see the cause of death. Um, but, you know, there's I, there's a decent probability it has something to do with his years of uh, steroid use and whatnot. Dying at the age that he died and, and, and everything else with the history. But as of this uh, show... I haven't seen any cause of death. I haven't either. Yeah, I haven't seen a thing either. Um, so, but I think it's fair to speculate in that direction, because um, you know he, he didn't. I didn't hear anything about any health problems or anything like that. It did seem kind so, of out of nowhere. Yeah, he's uh, not a guy that, and he's not a guy either that you would have, you know, like when Hawk passed away, it was kind of like, oh yeah, that seems like something that's gonna probably happen at some point pretty soon. Not to not to be cruel about it, but given you know the way Hawk lived his life, it was like not a huge surprise. Uh, that he passed away when he did, but yeah, the, the stuff about Animal, I I hadn't heard of any health issues, and I know he was at All In. Uh, I remember seeing him at, at at Starcast that weekend as well. Like, I think he was at WrestleMania weekend last year as well when 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 we were there. And yeah, there was no, I I didn't hear anything of like, oh yeah, he's going through this or he's going through that or whatever. So yeah, it does seem pretty sudden. And and you're probably right. You're probably on the right path there. That 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 good chance heart attack and good chance steroids probably played a part in that. But we don't know definitively at this time, so who knows? So. Hawk died in the middle of, you know, all those wrestlers dying in their forties. So yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, that 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 was a weird time where it, it felt like wrestlers were dropping off, you know, you know, once a month. You know, it's just it, all those guys from that era uh, uh, were just uh, constantly passing away. But um, yeah, I mean, the Road Warriors. You know what? What else can you say? They're they're the greatest tag team of all time. You know, that, that's just all there is to it in terms of uh, star power and and just presence and influence and, you know, the way they change the game. They are the greatest tag team of all time. So, um, you know, it's 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 you can't really under you know, you can't really overstate how they change tag team wrestling moving forward. Um, and not just with the copycat teams that came after them. Right, which in of itself is like enough of a case for them to be the all-time great because literally every single territory, every single wrestling promotion had a rip-off Road Warriors tag team at some point. Yeah. WWF at one point I think had four of them at the same time, including the Road Warriors at one point when, when they come in and there's the, the, the WWF is littered with other <laughs> recreations of the Road Warriors, including the Road Warriors themselves, which is just incredible. Uh, when that happened, but yeah, like literally every single promotion had a ripoff Road Warriors tag team. Every single one, every one. Well, I mean, you know, even you know, Powers of Pain and Demolition are the two obvious ones because they were the most successful to 
you know, totally copy that formula. But, you know, every indie show had, you know, a bunch of guys who were, um, you know, would come out in the in the shoulder pads and the face paint, you know, whoever the two biggest jacked up guys were on the show. And then you had a lot of failure, failed attempts to copy the Road Warriors and major league promotions like, you know, the Master Blasters and and teams like that. I think that was the, uh, you know, young Kevin Nash, right? Yes. Kevin yeah, Nash yeah, and yeah. Al Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Kevin Nash and Al Green <laughs> pre as, or as, pre, I think pre, uh, pre Oz, I think, right? Yeah, yeah pre Oz. Yeah. Master Blasters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, you know, and so even outside of the knockoff teams, which, you know, you're always going to get when an act is, um, we talked about it with Kamala, you know, and all the knockoff Kamalas that followed, um, you know, just, just their, their, their style, you know, with the no selling and the ass kicking, um, definitely influenced a, a generation of bodybuilder types and how they worked. I mean, it was the Goldberg formula is what it was. You know, that's what the road warriors were. They would come into the territory as heels and they would no sell and, you know, beat all the baby faces in really short matches and dominate them. And then what would happen is kind of that road warrior effect that I always talk about, where it's not always bad to just book a heel strong and just have them kick everybody's ass and beat them. Because a lot of times the end result of that is the fans are going to take to them. And what you're going to end up with is a money drawing baby face. You know, you get them over his heels. The fans see them as ass kickers and 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 they start to cheer them. And this would happen to the Road Warriors in every territory they went to. And then, you know, then you would turn them and you'd have money drawing faces because they were already established as badasses who, you know, ran through all the baby faces. And then you go from there. The problem was, you know, once that once that uh, pattern ran its course, they kind of would run out of steam in the territory, but they were perfect for that time. Cause then they would just bounce to the next one. Right. They'd go back to Vern Gagne or they stop by in Memphis or they'd go back to Georgia or whatever. And they would bounce around and just, and just rinse repeat. And that's why, you know, and you don't want to do it with all of your heels, but that's why I don't believe in this idea. The heels always have to cheat and be manipulative and, and right, that, that's WWE bullshit. Yeah, get get that out of your head. There, that it's that was not the case w- for WWE years. It's not bullshit, yeah. though, because even people like Jim Ross believe in that. Right, you know? right, right. And even in a lot of the territories, they believed in that. But, you know, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, if with select heels, if you just book them strong, there's nothing wrong if the fans start to take to them and they get over. Right, you I go mean, in that direction then. You go with it. Yeah. The name of the game in pro wrestling is to create money drawing stars. And one of the best ways to do that is that road warrior formula that I've always talked about on this show. You know, we're just book them strong as heels. The fans are naturally going to take to them and then you turn them and you've got yourself baby face stars. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good way to book certain heels who you see down the line being potential baby faces. And, and then what that also does, Rich, if you book your heels that way, when they do cheat, it has more impact because now you're really mad. It puts a lot of heat on that heel now because when his back really was against the wall and the babyface star did Adam beat, he took the shortcut. And that that's more effective to me than doing it every time. You know, so there's a lot of advantages to booking heels the way that the Road Warriors were booked. Okay. They didn't have Paul Elring. Uh, tripping their opponent coming off the ropes or, or holding the opponent's leg for leverage. They didn't put their legs on the rope to pin guys. No, 
They came into the territory. They beat the living shit out of everybody and, and won all their matches. And then, surprise, that got them over. And then they were able to be the biggest money-drawing tag team of all time based on that formula. Which, Rich, people get frustrated with us because, especially with the recent Miro stuff, because they think that we're all about just treating everybody like an ass-kicker. Not everybody, but people like this who have that kind of aura, you know, it's a proven formula. People like people who kick ass and win all <laughs> Exactly. The time. I know. The, that's the thing is, is, is people run from it and they say, oh, it, 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 no, you can't, not anymore. You can't do it. Dude, we saw, and, and this show was around when we saw the Ryback push. Remember that? All they did was bring Ryback in and he beat everybody. And then he got a match with CM Punk and the fucking buy rate was huge because <laughs> fans like that. Hey, this guy that's the champion is going to face a guy that hasn't lost yet. I'm curious what's going to happen. And they bought it. They bought the fucking pay-per-view. It's like not that hard. It, it, it's worked time and time and time again. And like you say, we don't want the entire roster of, of, of that. But god damn, like there are obvious people that are, that, that are work for this. Like there's no other way to book. You know Mike Hextron and 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 James Lornitis in the way that they did. You, you know what I mean? Like that. Look at those dudes. Look at what they look like. Yeah, that's how you book them. They just go in. They fucking lariat guys. They take dudes' heads off. They jump jump at the top rope and they fucking take a guy, break a guy's neck, and then they pin him and they win and they go away and they come out to Iron Man and they wear face paint. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's so obvious and so easy. But yeah, it's 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 not universal. It's not always the same. But God, don't run away from this. If 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 this opportunity to do to book people like this is there and you got a guy or you got a, a team that looks like this or acts like, I mean, do it, go ahead. Why not? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, it's not going to work for the young bucks. It's no. not going to work for Ricky Starks. It's not going to work for Kenny Omega. Everyone has their own slot that they fit in. And the idea in pro wrestling is to emphasize the strengths and hide the weaknesses. And you used Ryback. That was a great example. And there's a more recent example too, where they had it and then they lost it because they booked it into oblivion. And that was Braun Strowman. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. They had oh, right. him yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. He, he, local guys who just beat him for months on end. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they found a way to 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 book that into oblivion and blow that too. So that's all. That's Road Warriors were a very simple formula that has proven to work as long as the the people have the necessary charisma. And it, for people who weren't around for peak Road Warriors, and unless we have listeners that are like over the age of forty five. 50 ish because that's really what you're talking here right yeah i grew up i grew up hating the road warriors because i i thought they sucked like i i started watching you know really getting into wrestling in like 97 was about like i watched a little bit in 94 95 you know i mean like kind of dabbled in it or whatever but like i was all in in like 97 and they were just these old dudes wearing face paint i fucking hated them and then you know 98 is just a complete disaster because that's when hawks drunk and draws and all this sort of stuff and i hated those guys i thought they were so lame and it wasn't until like years later when i went back and watched them i was like oh my god how awesome are these guys? But yeah, unless you were there from you know eighty, what eighty one, eighty two, eighty three, eighty three, yeah, is, is really the real year where they kind of come into their own. And then yeah, eighty three to like eighty seven or whatever is basically their probably their highest point. I would call that their peak. And then you know through ninety is when it was vintage Road Warriors, and then ninety one when they went to WWF and became Legion of Doom and added the red. <laughs> it, it, but here's the thing: it's like that's the thin line in pro wrestling where. Man, it's just such a fine line. Those minor adjustments to them. You know, they were known, they were part of the Legion of Doom. Okay, so they were always, you know, known as the Legion of Doom. But Vince dropped the Road Warrior part of the name and just called them Legion of Doom. Now, that's not such a huge deal. But at the same time, the Road Warriors were an iconic tag team already at that point. So it did hurt them to a degree dropping uh, that part of the name. Then adding the red 
And it's like just those slight changes. It's crazy how in wrestling that even those small changes can slightly skew how someone is perceived or how they get over. Now, the beginning of their run in WWF was good because they came in and just killed people. Powers of pain. Not powers of pain. Um, Power and glory. Uh, Power and glory. glory. Yeah. Is the Sour and glory is, is why they call them. Yeah. Yeah, because they broke up the powers of pain when they knew the Road Warriors were coming. Right, 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 right. Because, again, know, there was a ripoff team, and then the real guys were coming, and they said, oh, well, we don't need a ripoff team, so. Yeah, and Demolition were still hanging around at the end, too, and they won a feud against Demolition. They won a bunch of two-on-three matches, or at that point, Axe may not have even been wrestling anymore. It was right around when Axe was starting to hang it up, and Crush was still was, was around. And they broke up the powers of pain before they got there, and the power and glory squash is the famous one. But the longer that WWE run lasted, the, the the more of the aura started to disappear. So if you're talking the peak of the run, it's like you said, about 83 to 87. And then, you know, they were still the Road Warriors and had the aura through the end of that um, uh, uh, Crockett run in was it still crockett when they left in uh 90 i think yeah. it had it had i think it had already turned it over it a bit turner yeah at that point. i think it had just started with the turner because that's what 89 yeah yeah i think i think that i think it had started turn yeah. a little bit of the turner uh era, so they worked but... they worked in the turner era for a small time yeah because they didn't go to wwe until 91 correct yeah so so that that was kind of it for them you know and then there's aura slowly faded away so yeah by the time you became a fan the aura was gone. Oh, it was gone. Yeah, and and, and even going back and watching old tapes too. It's not like because like you know I started watching in '97 and '98, like becoming a real hardcore fan. But then I would also go back and watch old stuff. But the problem was my reference of what I was going back and watching was old WWF pay per view. So you know '91, '92, '90, you know '89, and even then, like they come out, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They got like a fucking dummy with them and shit. I'm like, I don't know. These guys are cool. Like I I just never thought that they were cool or they were badasses or whatever. And you do, and and that probably is an issue with how WWE presented them. And, and like you said, there was a lot of just little subtle changes they did and little dumb things that they did. Uh, but then, you, yeah, you go back and you watch those peak, peak eras. You go and watch them in AWA. You go and watch them in Georgia. You know, you go watch them. Even in Japan, there's some pretty cool stuff. I was watching a little bit earlier, um, you know, them versus, you know, Jumbo and, and, and Tenru. There were some pretty fun matches there uh, as well. And you see and you're like, oh, yeah, I get it now. These, these are the dudes. Or, you know, even when they went, you know, e- even, you know, the, the brief, you know, period where they were in Japan, uh, after WWF w- w- was you know pretty interesting as well. Or Hawk actually w- w- was there, and and you see you know his full potential or whatever. But yeah, the parts that I saw in like real time was like yeah, I saw a little bit of the WCW run, that '96 WCW run, which is no good at all. I, I don't think so. I mean, some people might disagree, but I just don't think they really uh, clicked. And then the WWF stuff was just that '97 '98 stuff was just terrible. LOD 2000 and Hawks drunk and all this sort of stuff. It's just awful, awful, awful stuff. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate, I, I thought they sucked. And then, you know, you go back and you're like, oh yeah, like they're great. And, and, you know, like, you know, similar to when we talked about Kamala, like, I don't know that you and I can come on here and say, okay, here are the seven Road Warriors matches you need to watch or here the, there's not, I mean, just, it's the Road Warriors, you know, just watch a match and watch them kill somebody. You know, normally I would say go on Monsoon Classic, but we can't do that anymore because life's not fair. Um, cause that channel got nuked, which is, Makes me very upset even thinking about it. But like normally I would say, yeah, just like look at you type in Road Warriors and then just watch Road Warriors match. Just watch them take guys' heads off. Because I don't know that there's any match that I could definitively say, yeah, this is a great Road Warriors match. That isn't like a War Games or, you know, that Chicago Street fight from WrestleMania 13 is really good. Uh, the Canadian Stampede match, they're in that main event there. But like otherwise, yeah, I don't know. It's just like them beating people up. And it didn't, they, that wasn't their aura. Their aura wasn't, that we're going to have a great match. The aura was, we're going to beat people up and look like a million bucks. And people are going to buy all of our merchandise and love us and cheer us when we come out. So 
it's it's like I said, the best comparison for someone who wasn't around. It was it's it was like Goldberg. Yeah, it was like Goldberg coming out every week and just beating Jerry Flynn in thirty seconds. I was about to say Jerry Flynn too. I love that we had to say. Jerry Flynn is always the go-to Goldberg opponent. Yeah, right? I, I, he had some great matches with uh, with old Goldberg. Yeah, the, with this little rat tail flying in the air, whatever. As he's getting destroyed. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, these guys in the in the mid '80s. Okay, first of all, they were all over the magazine covers, and just look at them. Yes, yeah, oh, jump them. off the page. Like they they are one one of I would say you know when you talk about definitive like the look of wrestlers and even the WWF. I know you mentioned like the the red, how that was kind of off putting or whatever, but it was so bright red. And, yeah. and their and their face paint was so like you, you you just know that it's just an iconic look. The Road Warriors, you want it's like the WrestleFest even... video game you look at, and it's like, oh my god, look at those guys! Like those are that's pro wrestling one one is they just jump yeah, off they, the page. Like, they fucking look like big tough guys. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. Why do we run from that now? I don't know. I, I don't understand. Like they look larger than life and bigger and tougher than everybody, and there's really nothing wrong with that. And it's like, um. You know, so they, they would come into a territory in the mid 80s and looking the way that they did, you know, these huge jacked guys, they look intimidating. They don't sell for anybody. They work intimidating and they'd show up in Minnesota, you know, for Vern, where the fans were used to seeing goobers like Greg Gagne or Jim Brunzel <laughs> or whoever was there at the time. No offense to those guys, yeah, but they have these guys but... come in. You have these guys come in looking the way they do, or they would show up in the Carolinas, you know, and you go to a show in the Carolinas and you're used to watching, you know, schleppy old guys like Johnny Weaver or something, you know, and, you know, with their terrible fucking, you know, grandpa bods and, <laughs> you know, their, their slow work. And then you have these two guys come out wearing spikes, you know, squashing these nerds in 90 seconds and looking like they're the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. And you can easily see how they went from place to place and instantly got over and, and, and legitimately became the best drawing tag team of all time to this day. I mean, it's a simple formula and it works and, and they repeated it with Goldberg. It was the same thing. And what happens every time to kill these kinds of pushes, some dopey, stupid overbooked loss. That's what killed Goldberg. That's what killed Ryback. That's what killed Braun Strowman. These pushes work if it's the right guy. Now, you can't just do it with anybody because we talked about the knockoff teams. And if you didn't have the necessary charisma or you didn't come across like a bad motherfucker, this kind of shit, well, it's like anything else. It's not going to work. Okay? I think AEW has one right under their nose with Wardlow. And I think they're doing a great job yeah. with Wardlow. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Because when he does wrestle, it's he wrestles sparingly. And he wrestles, you know, he'll wrestle a jobber and he just goes in there and does his nasty shit. Right. And you I know? think one of, the, one of the cool things about Wardlow and the one of the things that I remember mostly about Animal and Hawk, it was specifically Animal, I would say even more than Hawk, is that he looked like a yoked up gigantic human being. But dude could move, like he could move. Like when he hit you, it sounded like he hit you. It hurt. It's, it, there was an intensity to the way he worked. And that was the problem with a lot of the ripoff Road Warrior teams is they just went, oh, we just, need to, uh, we just need to run it up, guy. All right, Warlord, get in here. And Warlord can't work like that. You know, he's just yoked up out of his mind. But he couldn't – he didn't have the intensity, the speed, the badassness that, like, Animal had and, and, and Hawk had as well. And that's what was the key is not that these guys were gigantic human beings, which is obviously a huge help, but the fact that when they hit you – it sounded like it hurt. It looked like it hurt, and it probably hurt. You know what I mean? It probably did actually hurt a little bit. But there was that intensity that they had. And you're right. Wardlow has that as well. He's not just a guy, a, a, a royal, a big giant guy that they said, "Oh yeah, go be you know Goldberg." No, it's all about the intensity that you work with too. And Goldberg's a, a perfect example of a guy who who could mix the two and not just be a big yoked up guy. 
Powers of Pain had the look. I mean, they arguably looked better. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Right. Oh, my God. Warlord, the first time you see him, you're like, what in the world is that human being? And that then... might, you know, if, if the Warlord, if, if 1988 Warlord in the Powers of Pain gimmick walked in your living room right now, he might be the largest human being you've ever seen oh, in I'm your sure. life. Yeah. And he's, I mean, the guy was a monster. And, and Barbarian, of course. I mean, Barbarian was uh, probably a better athlete, a better wrestler than any of the four. If we're talking about the Road Warriors and the Powers of Pain. Oh, absolutely. It's oh, like, no doubt. Yeah. And Powers of Pain were a great team, but this is what I'm talking about. They didn't have the charisma of Hawk and Animal, which is why when they would come into your promotion or your territory, they would remain heels. Okay? And that's the mistake that Vince McMahon made when he brought the Powers of Pain in because he couldn't get the Road Warriors. He brought them in as baby faces because he thought, well, they look like the Road Warriors. So I can just make these guys baby faces and recreate the success that everybody has had with the Road Warriors. And it flopped because as good as 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 the as Warlord and Barbarian looked and as effective as they were as a team cuz they were a good team, they didn't have it they didn't have the necessary charisma to be baby faces. They had to be heels. And then of course they did the double turn with Demolition and then the rest is history. But that's a perfect example of just you know, you try to recreate it, but the, the charisma still has to be there. You know, that's still a necessary component. You know, you just can't take a juiced up guy and throw face paint on him because that was tried time and time again, over and over again. And it wasn't that simple. And these guys just had it. They had the right mix of cockiness and just that um, that that intangible uh, charisma that you can't teach. You know, that every now and then I reference it that, you know, Conan says in Mexico, I don't know the Spanish words for it, but he says in Mexico, they call it having an angel and you can't explain it and you can't teach it. You either have it or you don't. And he says when he was coming up in the early days, all of the old timers would tell him that he had that he had that he has an angel. There's something about you that makes you different. And Conan was, you know, obviously became a major star and and he just. He's got that thing that other guys didn't have. There were other guys that Conan looked great, but there were obviously a million other muscled up guys, you know, over the years in Mexico and everywhere else. It's just, it's same thing with the road warriors. Yeah. You know, they had that thing and it was just the perfect mix. And maybe they needed to be together because neither one of them were going anywhere on their own. I mean, both of them were going to quit wrestling. Yeah. And neither, I, and neither I, honestly, you know, if we, if we boil it down, like neither of them were all that talented at like the actual bell to bell poor wrestling, but it didn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Like emphasize you know. the strengths yep. and hide the weaknesses. What can these guys do? Well, they could come across like fucking uh, total badasses. Okay. Then just do that. Yeah. Go out there and beat the Mulkies before your entrance music uh, stops. <laughs> right. That's all. Don't overexpose them. You know, that was the whole idea. They went out there. They'd have six-minute matches, Rich. Even in their big matches, they'd have six-minute matches. Because, you know, that's it. Emphasize the strengths. Hide the weaknesses. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I went back and I watched. Uh, there was a, a, a fabulous one. It was a Stan Lane. Um I'm blanking on the fucking Steve other, Kern. yeah yeah Steve Kern. I don't know why I was blanking on the name yeah where it was Road Warriors versus the Fabulous Ones and it was like a big time matchup it was for the tag team titles all sort it was it goes eight minutes and thirty seconds because it's like you don't need to go twenty five minutes with and Road Warriors it, it got the story and watching it through modern eyes you probably felt a little cheated you're like what's going on but yeah right right in. but like, then yeah I was like oh no yeah of course I don't want to go fucking twenty five minutes with the Road Warriors like 
you don't need that. And 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 yeah, it is. It's it's pretty amazing how. And and, and this is a you know pretty recently you know we, we this is a name that you brought up and and I think we talked about it a little bit on this podcast. And I'm not saying that I'm not comparing them directly to the Road Warriors. Of course not. That'd be ludicrous to say that because they might have just been another one of those ripoffs in the many many lines. But like you know the Authors of Pain AOP. It's like look at those fucking dudes. How do you not figure out a way to do something with those guys? NXT yeah. did, you know, and, and by shock of all shock, what a weird formula. They came in and beat the fuck out of everybody until they became a top team. They get to WWE, they get to the main roster, they have no idea what to do with these guys. No clue. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, and it's like, oh, man, like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it shouldn't be that hard, but you, you, I agree that they're a derivative of that act and it's, you still see derivatives of the Road Warrior Act. I would argue that like the War Raider Viking Party, whatever they're called, sure. is a derivative of that. Uh, all through the 90s, even, you know, if you didn't wear face paint and all that, the Pitbulls in ECW. I mean, who were they aping? It was the Road Warriors. You know what I mean? Like, even teams like that, th- these were all derivatives of this act with all varying levels of success. Um, so, yeah, just hugely influential uh, from multiple perspectives. Just and, and like I said, not even just teams trying to rip them off. You know, uh, you just the, the, the match style and. And, uh, and, and and not even just tag teams, you know, you see those kinds of of, of pushes uh, attempted to be recreated with singles guys. So, um, yeah, just just a great team. And, and you really it, it's I assume most of our listeners are under the age of 50 who wouldn't really remember them coming to their hometown territory. So it is really worth seeking that stuff out and just listening to some of the pops that they would get, too. You know, yeah. even as the heels, infamous, the infamous Road Warrior pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Exactly. That's why they call it the Road Warrior pop. That's exactly right. So um, the place would just explode because they knew they were seeing something special because, you know, you just sat through if you were in, you know, whatever territory, you know, you just sat through some Denny Brown versus, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, Les Thornton opener or something. And. Uh, you know, a Johnny Weaver tag match. And, you know, uh, you know, if you're in the mid Atlantic area, it, these are some of the names I'm, I'm going with, I guess. And then the road warriors would come out and it's just a completely different energy. And just everything you think about when you think about the stereotypical pro wrestler, and that's what these guys were. And uh, they just felt different and they shook up every territory they came to and they would instantly work on top uh, soon after they arrived. And, um, you know, just they they without question are the greatest tag team of all time. You know, and we 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 uh, were briefly earlier this week on Twitter talking about like the Mount Rushmore of tag teams or whatever. And, um, you know, the Road Warriors are, are probably, you know, the only absolute you, you have to have. <laughs> well, them, them and, and Degeneration X, of course, you can't, you know. Well, I <laughs> can't I, leave them. I don't want to pick on the guy who said <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no you know, that's stunk. But, um, you know, look, you can haggle about the other three. The one you cannot haggle about under any circumstances is the road. Yeah, they, they have to be there. Chisel them they in, put the, put the fucking spikes up. The spikes are up. It looked badass, too, anyway. So you want them on that Mount Rushmore regardless. But, yeah, they're, they're up there. Yeah, they're just a legendary pro wrestling act from, you know, um, from the, you know, the golden age of pro wrestling. And, you know, the, 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 the mid-80s, you know, which until the Attitude Era was – you know, peak pro wrestling, um, you know, in this country, in this country, thanks to, you know, Hulkamania and all of that, and Hulk Hogan. But, um, you know, it, from a from a memorable era, one of the most memorable acts. And they achieved that before they ever stepped foot in a WWF yep. ring. Yep. They were one of when I was a kid, 
when I was a young kid, um, you know, in the eighties, I'm talking first, second grade or whatever. And, 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 you know, me and my friends like wrestling and we were in New Jersey. So it was WWF country, right? That's what we had on TV until we discovered TBS when you get a little bit older. Um, and you know, you read the magazines and all that. The only wrestler, they, the road warriors were some of the only wrestlers that we had heard of and, 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 and idolized and knew what they looked like who we had never even seen wrestle. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, they, they were, it didn't matter that they weren't in W they were one of those few wrestlers that you heard of and knew about even as a kid pre-internet before they even wrestled in your area, you knew right. who they were. Yeah. Well, one thing you I know? always remember about when they did come to WWF is that like Vince didn't even try. I mean, he tried to change the name. He tried to change the colors a little bit. You know what I mean? He tried to do that sort of stuff, but like they came out and they were instantly the like, biggest stars. Like in the, they were the, instantly the biggest tag team to the point where he just gave the titles right away too. You know what I mean? Like he just beat everybody and got the titles right away. Cause it was like, and they didn't have to tell any elaborate story. They were just like, yeah, the road, you know who they are, whatever. <laughs> like just go out, you know, they didn't do any, they just came out, they kicked the ass and they just said, yeah, what like Vince so badly. Every time a guy would come in, he would change him and this gimmick that, and Yes, he did little subtle changes with the Road Warriors, but only so much because there was they were just going to be over already. So it was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Road Warriors, you know who they are. And they came out and they're instantly gigantic stars because everybody knew who they were already. Yeah, exactly. That speaks to my point. It's like he knew he didn't have to like <laughs> introduce these guys like he knew his crowds uh, were going to pop for them instantly. You know, and he had to put his little touches on them, which, you know, it's, I'm not saying that like destroyed them, but it's just in wrestling all those little things are important. You know, it's like he gave people a version of his version. He has to, he, he just insists on putting his touches on everything. And if there's one thing that you didn't need to fuck with, it was the road warriors. I mean, what about that act? Would you willingly, like, why would you change anything about them? You know, I understand you're not going to use iron man. Cause you don't want to, you know, you know, even in that era, you know, so the new music is one thing, but all of the other subtle changes, it just, it didn't, it just, it, 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 what it does is it just makes it feel just that uh, small amount less authentic than it needed. Do you know what I mean when I say that? And it's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. You feel like you're not getting the full authentic version. It's close, but it's not the full authentic version. And it just, I, I, I do believe that that had a bit of an effect on, 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 you know, on how they got over, and then by the time you get to like the Rocco era, forget it. That oh was yeah, just, by ninety-two, it, they're they're done. Yeah, or ninety late ninety-one, ninety-two, they're done. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, Vince kind of didn't see that instant main event return that maybe he was expecting. I think that maybe they were a little disappointed in 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 their spots on the card because they they were main eventers everywhere, and they were not main eventers in WWF, and it became obvious that they never really were going to be after the first six months or so. So I think, you know, everyone involved kind of just, it was straight downhill from there in terms of, uh, you know, their star power. And then, you know, like you said, by the time, like they reform in what, like 96 in WCW. Yeah. Cause whatever. Hawk goes to Japan, obviously does the power warrior stuff and, and, the, and the, and the, you know, the Hellraisers and that sort of stuff. But yeah, by 96, they come back in WCW for that really weird period. Uh, that it seems hard to believe that it even existed. And I think it, I honestly, it was what, four or five months at most, maybe. Yeah. And even then that. They, were around, they were, they teamed in WCW a little bit in the nitro era too. No, well, that's what I mean. It was like 96. Yeah. It was like 96. Yeah, yeah. They were only there for a little bit of time. And I think they beat the Steiners for the titles or something like that. It was, it was a very strange, you're like, you'll watch an old nitro and you're like, Oh yeah, the fucking, the road warriors are here. What the hell? Yeah, and the it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the aura was gone. It was it gone. Just, and then, yeah, they go to WWF again in, you know, 97, and it's just completely gone at that point. So You know, and Hawk went to Japan with Kensuke Sasaki, obviously, as the Power Warriors, which which pissed off Animal. Um, Animal stayed behind for a little while in WWF. Crush, yeah, Crush. On house shows. Yes, they, of course, they, never on actual. Yeah, because I would read those results in, like, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and I'd be like, wow, that sounded like an awesome team, you know, <laughs> right. when you're 14 or whatever. And it's like, but, but. You know, and I would get, I was getting PWI weekly at that time, which was their answer to the newsletters. I don't even know if you know about that. Like Pro Wrestling Illustrated rolled out something called PWI weekly in the early nineties. And it was shaped like the torch. Have you ever read the torch? Yeah. 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 Where it's like, uh, you know, um, you know, the observer is just like six sheets of paper, like stapled together. Right. The torch always has a little more effort put into it. It's like it, it's like almost like a book. You flip through the torch, but it's but that's it was the PWI Weekly was fashioned like a newsletter, and they advertised it in the magazines like they were trying to compete with the Observer and the Torch because they were losing, you know, um, uh, market share to the newsletters. And PWI Weekly was it was the same as Pro Wrestling Illustrated, except it was a little less kayfabe. You know what I mean? Like they didn't go all the way like the newsletters. Right, did. they kind of did tinges of it. I, I, I've I've seen I've seen like uh, little clips here and there. I never I never actually had my hands on one though, unfortunately. So yeah, and it, and and the best thing about it was it was up to date because the magazine was always like three months behind. It was awful. Like you'd get a magazine dated August and it had news from May. And you bought it in June. It was the weirdest shit. <laughs> right. Right? It was like, it's it was all fucked up. Like, and, but the, the weekly one was up to date. And it was like, you'd get results from like two days earlier when it came in the mail and they'd have like the title change page. And, you know, they, it, and, and um, it was a little less kayfabe. And I'd be reading these results and see like animal teaming with crush. And it's like, that sounds tremendous, but they tested it on house shows and it, it obviously didn't work yeah, out. Crush stinks because Crush is fucking terrible. So again, a guy who looks like a million bucks but doesn't have that aura, doesn't have that charisma, uh, doesn't work with the same intensity. Yeah, it, it, it's all about how you carry yourself, even to the ring. Yeah. I mean, even 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 before the bell rings, how you carry yourself. And those the Road Warriors are maybe the all time in just that the, the steps they took, the walk they did, the faces they made, the snarls, just everything. They just nailed it. You bought the idea that they can walk into any bar in the country and, and beat clean it everybody out. up in that entire bar, walk out, you know, slapping their hands together, grabbing a beer, and then yeah, the entire rest of the bar is licking their wounds. And these two idiots came in, beat everybody up, and walked away. Yeah, and and I really think wrestling is missing that kind of element. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's without a doubt missing it in WWE. It's just. Just a slick television product where everyone's a television star. We all know how they do things. And I think, honestly, wrestling's missing that element everywhere. You don't have those guys who just, you feel like they can walk in a bar and clean the place out. You just don't have that. And, um, you know, I I think uh, that's something where I think that could really get over today if – if someone really, if someone like Miro really tried to lean into something like that, but maybe he just doesn't have it in him, you know, and, 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 you know, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that was the road warriors. They were bad motherfuckers. And the thing about it was they probably really could go in a barn. Yes. (laughs) That's the other part is they could do that. Yeah. They they really just look it. They would actually fucking do that too, for sure. Yeah. You know, so, um, uh, Meltzer told a great story today. Did you listen to Meltzer's audio? I did, audio? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fucking awesome. But he told a great story today how they went to Japan. And I forget what wrestler he said, but one of the 
older wrestlers put animal in some kind of shoot hold and tied him up, I guess, just to, you know, wave his dick around and say, you know, cause he, they didn't like to sell and that's not going to get over, you know, with the Japanese wrestlers, they're going to be annoyed. So they put him in some hold and, and, you know, they, they went to the promoter and they were like, either give us our passports back so we can go home right now. Or if you, if we finish this tour, we're going to legit fight everybody we get in the ring with and, and turn these things into shoots or tell your boys to back off because we didn't come here to grapple, you know? And I just thought that, that, that was just such a great story that I had never heard before, you know? So the last thing you want is these guys going in the ring and feeling like they legitimately have to defend themselves. So I forget which promoter it was. Too. Yeah. I don't remember either. I know, I know the story, but yeah, I'm blanking on, on, on who he, who, who he referenced there. Um, and, I but, think it was, it was somebody in all Japan, but I forget, I forget who. Yeah. Was it so. Baba? It was Baba. Then? It may have remember. been Baba. Yeah. I don't know, but you know, and then telling his boys to back off after that, you know, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, and, and, you know, they came through Minnesota when all those other guys, a lot of those guys went to high school together. Everybody know, you know, Rick Rude, Brady Boone, uh, Kurt Henning, um, you know, that whole crew Hawk and, uh, animal was from the, I don't think animal went to high school with those guys, but he was from the same area. Um, just, you know, during that time, all of those guys, all the same age, all from Minnesota, John Nord was another one. Yeah. Um, who all ended up getting into pro wrestling all around the same time. And, uh, and we're all stars together, you know, through the late eighties and the early nineties. And, um, a lot of them were bouncers at, uh, at the same bar. <laughs> and, you know, these were legit bad motherfuckers. Yeah, imagine like, trying to start trouble at that bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, you hear the stories of Rick rude, knocking people out with open palm thrusts and, and uh, Kurt Henning was a guy who, you know, he challenged Brock Lesnar to a fight on an airplane, you know, and then ended up getting fired for it. And, you know, you got the Road Warriors who, you know, were you know, legendary fighters. Although I think Road Warrior Hawk got his ass kicked. Yes. Um, who kicked his ass? Randy Savage kicked his ass? I think that, yeah, I forget. Uh, I thought I thought it was Randy. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. But Someone, someone else kicked his that. ass too. And in Japan, someone kicked his ass. Like another... Uh, American, I think. I can't remember who it was. But these are guys that would, you know, they, they, that whole crew. I mean, they were legit tough guys who, who you know, who would fight you. It was a different time. You know, these locker rooms were were, were, were different then, you know. So uh, it was just, uh, you know, alpha males doing alpha male shit. And, um, you know, and, and and so the Road was Warrior. It too, was it Too Cold Scorpio that beat his ass? It had been Too Cold was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, I think it was. I'm almost positive. I think it was in South Korea where they were doing the uh, the collision in Korea. Oh, well, Hawk probably got in a bunch of fights and probably yeah. lost. Well, he's probably also terrible. like very high when he got in those. So it may, maybe it was a little bit easier to beat him up. But yeah, Too, too Cold can fuck you up too. So For some reason, I remember Randy Savage. No, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% positive on Randy Savage. I don't know about Too Cold, but I thought I remember hearing that one. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll have to double check that one to, <laughs> to make sure, but... No, he's another guy who's like a legendary tough guy, too cold. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, so that probably helped with the gimmick too, because they believed that they were tough. So, you know, they exuded that when they came out of the curtain, you know, they, 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 uh, legit felt like they were tough guys and, and, and it came through with the gimmick, but animal, since we're talking about him, I mean, you know, one of the ultimate fucking, Worker moves, getting that Lloyd's of London policy. Oh my God, to only work tag matches, yes. <laughs> right, which there's effectively no difference between a tag match and Animal a single saying, match. you know what, look, 
How about I? How about I am allowed to wrestle, but only tag matches? Lloyd's London going, yeah, that sounds good to us. So here's here's a million dollars every year. Just make sure you only work tag matches, okay? Sure, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Which I think why when he came back to WWE during the SmackDown era and teamed with Heidenreich and yes. did all that shit, which is why he was always in tags because I think he still had that deal even going that late into his career. It's just the ultimate hustle, <laughs> getting that insurance policy. All he had to do was make sure he worked tag matches yes. and never worked. It's tough for Road Warrior Animal. Hey, buddy, are you okay just working tag matches? Well, yeah, I, I guess. guess. <laughs> I suppose, yes. I'll just do that's tag the, matches. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the right. other thing. Like, that's all he does anyway. Right, but on yeah. top of that. Oh, it's, it'll be an adjustment, but I, 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 yeah, I'll do it. It's fine. So. And then he convinced him it was, like, less dangerous right, somehow. Yeah. You know, all while collecting that money. It's just, I'm trying it's, to look up how many TV, uh, like, actual televised singles matches uh, animal ever had in his life. It looks like 18 total his entire careers. Yeah. One yeah, in WWF like... against Paul Roma. Uh, then yeah, none, a uh, few in 96, one in 98 that went to a no contest. Cause the bell couldn't ring. It was like some weird fake thing that they did or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's Not unbelievable. A real match, yeah. It yeah. wasn't a real match. So, um, yeah. incredible. Well, Hawk did now Hawk when they split Hawk did plenty of singles. Yes. Hawk... Yeah. 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 You know, he had that WCW run, the, the Kurosawa angle, and, you know, obviously he came to ECW in the early days, 93, 94-era ECW, which were right smack dab in the Hawk era on Jovember. Um, you know, and, and and obviously went to Japan and teamed with Kensuke Sasaki when they were kind of at odds with each other. And, um, you know, that, that – you know, Kensuke Sasaki was able to pull off that gimmick. I mean, that was – you know, he, he had the right kind of aura for that as Power Warrior – so uh, that worked out, but um, yeah, and then Animal, you know, hung around. Like we said, that weird run on SmackDown with Heidenreich, and popped up a few more times over the years in WWE. Yeah, he did. I, I think he did a match with Heath Slater at one point. There was like I was I was jumping around on uh, uh, on YouTube, and there's like a random match against Paul Burchill where he's the Road Warrior, and he's got like he almost kind of looks like. The old Road Warriors when they were like leather clad with their weird. I was, I'm like, what the? Yeah. Who in 2006 was like, I don't know, animal. We're gonna have to change it a little bit. I, I guess Vince McMahon. That's the answer. But like, yeah, it's just kind of weird that it's like the Road Warrior. <laughs> it's like, well, if you okay. go back to 80, if you go back to 83, the original idea is that they were bikers. Yes. You know, and that's obviously where the name came from. And they wore leather. They didn't have the shoulder pads yet, but they did have it's the a face lot of paint. leather. They had leather and weird hats and. Yes. Very <laughs> not the same thing that the uh, uh, Road Warriors ended up being. There's definitely a different connotation of what that Road Warriors uh, duo looked yeah, like. Yeah, they were they were leather bikers. They were, yeah. you know, biker bar guys. And, and uh. they had the face <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't think it's what you were thinking. No, right? I know. Like, in rush, I, like, I know what it was supposed to be. Yeah. It's like when you look at it in 2020, you're like, wow, those guys look like they're into bondage. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, yeah, that's not – that was cool in 1983. But now it looks ridiculous, so. Yeah, and then they made the adjustments, obviously, and introduced the spiked shoulder pads, and they kind of dropped the biker imagery, you know, <laughs> about a year or so into the run. And by the end, you know, what by the time they had fully grown into the gimmick, it's like the name Road Warriors was the last vestige left of, like, the biker roots. That was – because Animal was the Road Warrior yeah. as a singles wrestler, and that was his gimmick, you know, and then they introduced Hawk to, into the team. Um, you know, later on and yeah, he had a completely different gimmick um, as a singles guy bouncing around um, some of the smaller territories. And then, yeah, he took on the same gimmick that animal had. And then it just evolved into what everybody remembers now. 
Yeah, I think he had a, a match 2011 or 12, I want to say, against Heath Slater. That's actually pretty awesome, too. He just goes in there and beats Heath Slater in, like, three minutes or whatever. That's when Heath was doing the thing where he was just losing to all, like, these former stars or whatever. Um, and you see him in there, and you're like, damn, this guy can still go. <laughs> he can still go, and he kept himself in uh, pretty damn good shape uh, through all those years. And, and, and obviously, uh, you know, you know him very well, for, of course, from his son uh, as well, being a big star in the Rams, big star in college at Ohio State University and stuff. So uh, definitely leaves leaves a, a pretty awesome legacy. So. Yeah, That's it. He was a, um, son was a middle linebacker. Um, then he went to the Saints at the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I and and I know WWE was like hot on his trail for a while, but I don't think he's interested. Yeah, at this point, it seems like he, yeah, he would have already jumped on it if he was going to. So, I mean, he made a lot of money playing football because he wasn't like a superstar, but he was a star player who, you know, uh, who who earned himself a second and third contract in the NFL, which means, you know, he made millions of dollars. Yeah. So. I'm sure he's doing okay. Yeah. And his body's already probably broken down enough for you. It's just like, yeah, you know, you're, you're most of your former NFL good wrestlers were dudes that like flamed out in their first year or flamed out after college or flamed out in the CFL. Very rarely do you get like, you know, near 10 year NFL career, then transition to he, dudes probably in a lot of pain on a daily basis and probably goes, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to sit in my pool and hang out with my kids and I don't really want to be on the road, you know, doing wrestling or whatever, but he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the money. I mean, right. What- exactly. Does he want to go to the performance center for three years and slum it up with, <laughs> right, yeah. you know, twenty-five-year-olds for you know sixty grand a year and be away from his family? And it's just, it's a different game now. If it was twenty years ago, the son of Road Warrior Animal could, you know, do a crash course with fucking Hero Matsuda in Florida, or <laughs> right, 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 or whoever in you know Brad Rangins in, in fucking Minnesota, yeah, Masa Saito and, and Brad Rangins for six months, and he'd be ready to go, yeah. Yeah, and then you, and then you get him in there, and you you introduce him as the son of Road Warrior Animal, and away you go. And it doesn't matter how good he is or anything else, because he's just going to be a star, as long as he has a, a shred of charisma, you know. So, um, you know, it's just different now. It's just a completely different thing, and and he already has money, and uh, that talk really cooled off, I guess, once his NFL career, you know, became a substantial real NFL career. It's like they kind of realized they were never going to get the guy. So that's that, Road Warrior Animal. Again, if you're trying to watch, I really just kind of search stuff and find it and watch it. There's really nothing I can say definitively, hey, this is the match you have to watch, or this is what it is. Just, I don't know, just watch that. <laughs> just type in Road Warriors and 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 see where it takes you. Yeah. Um, the stuff you're going to watch on WWE Network. Do we, do we really need to... Do we really need to nudge people to the road? To, to <laughs> I would hope not, Warrior? but then we, have some, we have some young listeners here that might, you know, might not know as much or might, you know, be interested in, in, in seeing some stuff. But yeah, hopefully at this point, if you're listening to the show, if you're enough of a wrestling fan, you're, you're aware of their impact or whatever. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to, I don't know. I think I would be ashamed of anybody listening who, <laughs> who didn't know anything. About hasn't it. seen road warriors. There, stuff, there's probably right? a lot of people that only know the WWF road warriors. Honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm not mean like, and I don't want to disparage any of them, but yeah. like, I mean, yeah. there's a lot there and you might think that that's that. And you might think that they're an awesome team just based off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas when you really dig in, you, I think you'll gain an even more appreciation. So, yeah, go beyond what the WWE Network's going to give you or what, you know, at least, you know, WWE proper is going to give you and, and, and dive in a little bit to the other stuff, you know. Watch the 605s. Watch, you know, any any old WCW, AWA stuff. They've got plenty of great stuff on the network, though, too. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of that, um, you know, 80s uh, – you know, uh, stuff, uh, you know, the, the, those late 80s. Uh, oh, yeah. Stuff. Oh, no, no, no. I just mean, like, you go to WWE.com and, like, they have, like, Rot- like WWE.com remembers Rotor Animal. And the video is just, like, SummerSlam 91, SummerSlam 92, 
WrestleMania yeah. 14, and then it's over, and you're like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, that's... Trunk Hawk on the Titan Tron. Yeah, right. You're like, that's not that interesting. Did that, so... make, did that make the sizzle reel? That did not make the sizzle reel, believe it or not. Yeah, no. With, with Draws trying to talk him off the ledge. Right? <laughs> Shove him off, and 15 Who's seconds the... later, he falls down. <laughs> Who's the worst, like, replacement Road Warrior, Draws or Heidenreich? Yeah, Draws, Crush, or Heidenreich. What a... Oh, well, well, remember, too, when they were managed by Sonny. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. LOD 2000, LOD 2000. They wore hockey masks because that's cool. (laughs) They were cool. So, you know, Hawk no longer had a – he didn't have a – you know, his his double mohawk. He just had a shaved, you know, a buzz cut. And Animal had, uh, you know, a full head of hair as well. And Sonny – She's wearing a thong or something. It's like okay. Sunny was Sunny. She had a yeah. she had a bra with flames on it. I think. <laughs> right, right. Tassels. Like, she had a thong on with tassels, and they're like LOD two thousand, and it didn't work that well. So no, you know, it. Uh, I could see why they thought it might have been a good idea uh, at the time, but uh, well, because like again, like I grew up with them being like these old assholes that like nobody like they were feuding with the New Age Outlaws at the time, and I as a, as like a you know twelve year old or whatever, I thought the New Age Outlaws were the greatest. They yeah. came out with South Park t-shirts and talked about their dicks. And I was like, this is great. This is exactly what yeah. I want. And here comes these weirdos, these old men in face paint and spikes. And I'm like, who are these assholes? And, you know, everybody was chanting OLD at them and stuff. And they had to right. go away and, and come back with hockey masks and a, and a babe. And, well, it didn't really work. So you're telling stuff. me you weren't hearkening back to their wars with the Russians. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. When I was 11, no. I, I, just liked, case, I liked huh? that Road Dog wore Cartman shirts and talked about his dick a lot. So that uh, – Crusher Khrushchev's another one from Minnesota, I think, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. He's a, he's another one. But they had the you know the famous feud with the Russians in, I guess, 86, right? Probably 86 with the Koloffs and, and, uh, and the Russians. The short-lived six-man titles where um, the Road Warriors teamed with, um, was it Dusty Rhodes or Tenru? I know both of them were in the mix. Maybe both at different times, right? Pull that up real quick. See if you could find that. Those uh, those uh, um, six-man tag team titles. So the NWA six-man tag titles, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they teamed with – I'm getting mixed – I'm getting Dusty Rhodes and Tenru mixed up in my head for some reason. Uh, they did Dusty uh, – well, they did both. They did Dusty and yeah, Tenru. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so – and they, they – it was short-lived. Take me through the title history there. All right. And so see, see what I can remember. Okay, they brought it back um, in '84. So <laughs> your first team, your first winners were Koloff, uh, the Koloffs, and Don Kernoodle were, were your first. Uh, right, Don Kernoodle, who was a yeah, he turned on America. Yes, yeah, he became he, a yeah. you know. Russian then, sympathizer. Yes, and then uh, that'd they... probably be a babyface act. Right? <laughs> a lot of people on Twitter, right? Like all the commies on Twitter would probably love that. Like he'd be a baby face to them. Yeah. So then anyway. they uh, they kicked Kernoodle to the corner when they brought in Crusher Khrushchev. So I think he just slid in there and took over the titles. Yes. Uh, then Manny Fernandez, Buzz Tyler, and Sam Houston won it from them. Don't have any recollection. Yeah. Of that. It did, don't worry. It didn't last long because the Russians won it back again. Right. Uh, and then Khrushchev got hurt. And then they sent in Baron von Raschke to come in and be the Russians. Although, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Baron von Raschke is quite a – well, anyway. Yeah. I think there was a difference. Well, he was, he was yeah, a little different. Eh, I was going to say, well, whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, then slightly they – Slightly different gimmick than a communist. Yeah. Slightly uh, different gimmick uh, than a communist. Uh, then uh, May 1986, Dusty and the Road Warriors win it in Baltimore. Uh, then mm-hmm. Ivan Koloff and the Powers of Pain beat them yes. in 1988. Yeah. Uh, then Powers of Pain obviously go to WWF. So, 
Uh, they move it back to Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors. And then the Road Warriors turn on Dusty, and then they team with uh, Tenru at Clash yeah. of the Champions 4, which is awesome. I love that match. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. They turn on Dusty. That's right. Didn't they use, like, a attack him with a barbell or something? Yeah, they did that. And then I, was, that, was that when they hit him with the spike? Was that the spike? It's the spike. But I think it's the it spike on, in the eye, why yeah. Am I, why am I thinking of some attack in a weight room? Did it happen in a weight room? That's Muscle Champa, and, uh, and or is that a different turn? I'm thinking. <laughs> stop it! I got to give you a Gorilla Monsoon. Will you stop? Um, I'm thinking of some attack in that era that happened in a weight room with a barbell. But you're right. That maybe, was no, maybe spike. no, maybe it was that one. I, I forget exactly which one it was. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was that one. So yeah, um, there was a but, spike, uh, and then there was the barbell. Yeah, it was one of the two. So yeah, that's it. They crushed. Yeah, it was all right. So the chat room has it. They attacked Dusty in the weight room with the with the with the uh, with the uh, with the bench press bar, right? A barbell is what <laughs> normal humans would call it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, barbell's the long one. What's and the dumbbell's the small one, right? Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a man that keeps himself in top peak physical form, but I haven't been in a gym since two thousand fucking eleven. Give me a break. I stay in shape in other ways. Yes, long one is barbell, dumbbell is short one. Yes. Yeah. So. Now, you sell this equipment. This yes. is not fair. No, it's, like, it's really not. Yeah. Why don't you come in the kitchen with me and we'll start naming <laughs> fucking kitchen equipment. Right. Okay, why don't we do that? Smart guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe it was the – okay, so now we're getting information. Oh, jeez. Oh, here we go. Yes, was, the people. It was all done to Dusty. It was all done to Dusty. The barbell and the spike was all Dusty, apparently. So um, – yeah, the, the the spike in the eye. I remember that one, but I remember that attack in the weight room too for some reason. But yeah, Tenru, and then Tenru just like disappears, right? Yeah, right or right. I was like, ah, I'm going back to Japan. This sucks. Yeah, yeah. that's the end of that. Yeah, I'm. Tenru was like, I'm going back to Japan, and I'm coming back six years later to murder the Undertaker in a casket at the World <laughs> right. Rumble. And no, he came back in '91. Remember, he came back in '91 as uh, they had the. Uh... Uh, really, oh, really, yeah, and they had the really bad like promo where it's like these men are Japanese, so they're children. They don't understand basic communication. So yeah, was uh, it Bob that, Uecker? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just saying Japanese words. It's Toyota, like Toyota. <laughs> like yeah. Honda. Man, Rich, the wokes have no idea what wrestling was like. No. Not that long ago. Yeah. Not that long ago. Um, yeah, that was uh, Tenru and Kateo, Koji yes. Kateo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against and that was I think wasn't that the last televised appearance of Demolition? That was it. I believe right? that's the case. Yeah, yeah. That was their write-off, and Kateo, of course, uh, was the mentor, I believe, of Masaki Mochizuki, because Mochizuki, uh, I believe, trained under uh, Koji Kateo. I hope this is right. Otherwise, I'm going to sound real stupid. But Koji Kateo had a reputation for like not doing business oh no that that is no yeah there's no 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 one will argue that with you no he definitely and mochizuki kind of had that rep early on because i think he trained under koji kateo but um i'm definitely gonna look that up so we can cut it off of the uh on demand show if i'm wrong and then no one will ever know except for the 60 people listening live exactly yes thank you guys for doing the ten dollars subscribers patreon.com i believe you're correct but yeah you might want to just double check I can confirm he was an asshole, though, that nobody liked. So that, that I can confirm. Dale? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he yeah. wasn't very good either. That's no, true. no. He had a, a big rep or, you know, big rep of himself without really backing it up at any point ever. So, you know, Rich, I'm a confident man. I'm not going to bother looking it up. I am confident. I think Masaki- I, I'm almost positive you're right. Yeah, I know. I know for a fact they held uh, when, when I was doing research for the uh, one of the deep dives that they they held like the war, uh, the W.A.R. 
uh, six-man titles at one point. I forget who they were with, but it was definitely Mochizuki. Because I was looking at like random titles that Mochizuki had won and maybe still owns. Uh, yeah. and he definitely had, yeah, he definitely won the the, the, the WIR uh, titles with uh, Kateo. I forget who they were with. So I think he was like the ace student of Koji Kateo, um, uh, Mochizuki. He's still going fifty. Yeah, years which old. is nuts. Yeah, which is great. Which will actually uh, lead into a topic we have uh, in a bit. But that uh, that is it about the Road Warriors and whatever the hell else we've talked about. Which is which I enjoy these shows where we just talk about stuff. You know, I mean? just, just we could go. Okay. We could honestly go another two hours just naming names. Let's remember some guys and talk about more that, corrections but. from the chat room. Okay. Okay. So it was Regis Philbin who did the racist interview. Yes, that's of right. Ken right, Rui right, right. It wasn't Bob. I apologize to Bob Euchre. I, I'm a big fan of Bob Euchre. Still calling Brewers games, by the way. He's like 96 years old. He's still calling Brewers games. And uh, still sharp as attack, Rich. And the barbell attack was Powers of Pain attacking Animal. Oh, see, ball. look at this. So you were right I about... was going to say, I don't think Dusty's putting up 500 on the, uh, on the bench press or knows where a bench press is. I think you and him both uh, had the same gym habits, so... Yes, so... Um, I mean, you're in better shape you know. because of all the sex, obviously, but, you know. That's what it is. I mean, absolutely. Right, right. I run the stairs in my house, too. And um, see, that's how – see, I don't spend money on, on gym equipment, right. but everybody else should with Rich's company. Absolutely, yeah. But, yeah, I just run the stairs. But um, We don't have anything, so don't buy anything from us right now. It's all gone. My so. cardio is phenomenal. I don't need, like, a step master or any of these gimmicks. <laughs> I just run the stairs in the house up and down. Well, now, the dog follows me up and down the stairs. She trails me until she gets tired, and then she lays on the couch and just stares at me. But, uh, look, I'm trying to remember angles from, like <laughs> – all right. 34 years ago. You're lucky okay, you remember I'm... anything from last week. We're going to talk about the G1 that I watched a day ago, and I'm probably going to forget shit. Yeah, so. and I got to take out the notes to remember what the matches were. These are angles from 34 years ago when I was like eight. So, you know, what do you want from me? But um, Yeah, the spike, because I remember TBS was like, hey, no more blood dust. And he's like, I hear you, baby. No more blood. And the first thing he does is wears yeah. a white shirt and gets a spike in the eyeball. He's <laughs> bleeding everywhere, so. And Cody's his father's son, because Cody's about to do a dog collar match, and you know goddamn well that dude is cannot wait to get busted open in the middle of that dude, ring. Dude, so. I am so excited about the dog collar match. Just let Cody book everything. Yeah, I know. He's the best. Just let him book everything. I mean, the, the, the fucking dog, this whole setup for the dog collar match, the whole thing. And it's just great shit, and you know it's going to rule. They're going to bleed buckets. It's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait for the dog collar match. We need more dog collar matches, and we need more badasses who just, you know, kick everybody's ass in two and a half minutes. Right, yeah. More guys that look like they could walk into a bar and clear it out in a minute and a half. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. More of those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Less Twitch streamers and more guys. (laughs) Right. Less game overs and more fucking dudes kicking each other's asses in bars. So, all right. Uh, We got to talk about some other G1 stuff, some other promotions going on, uh, uh, tournaments going on around the world. Before we do that, though, I do have to question for you, Joe. What season is it? It is winning season. It is well. It's fall. Is actually it actually recently turned fall. But you're right. It is winning season as well. And winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. And Joe, I don't want to. I don't want to out you here, but uh, Big JL did some big winning last week, didn't he? I did. You don't have to. I, you well, don't have to name numbers. I got the numbers. I got them here. That's you're lucky, you're lucky he even came back and did any of these fucking podcasts he was doing this last week. I'll tell you that. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, you were very oh, close yeah. to telling <laughs> to telling me to go fuck myself. Oh yeah, if that one game came in at the end there, <laughs> right. I'd be in Hawaii right now, I and mean, not on vacation, uh, living in Hawaii right now. So, 
Uh, yeah, I've been doing very well, Rich, and I've been doing it at mybookie.ag. There you go. So uh, you can bet the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, you're in the Stanley Cup right now, NBA playoffs, you're in the conference finals. Major League Baseball is getting hot and heavy, you're getting the playoffs coming up. UFC and, of course, the NFL, the craziest sports fall of our lifetime is here, and it's simple. At mybookie, you make your picks, you win big, you collect your cash, you invest in your intuition like Joe did uh, last week. So you select from hundreds of future bets or bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. You put that big brain of yours to use. You use promo code VOW and you double your first deposit. That's the key there. Promo code VOW. You get 100% deposit match. Double your first deposit up to $1,000. So you put in $100, they'll give you $100. You put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. You put in $1, they're going to give you $1 too. It's always that they'll double your first deposit. 100% deposit match. You can't beat it. And new players get up to 1,000 in free play uh, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, parlays awaits. Joe can tell you all about those parlays. Uh, you sign up now to bet with the best and you celebrate your victory. Winning season begins today only at MyBookie. And again, promo code VOW to double your first deposit. They start, they, they start new uh, you know, NFL survivor pools every week. And it's free. You just jump in and pick $50,000 to the winner. Doesn't cost you a dime to enter. And they start new ones every week. Rich, it's a free roll. That's yeah. I'm, I'm getting excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dabble in some NBA finals once once the finals kind of break down. I think I, I think I have a read now on on uh, quarantine basketball. Uh, so I'm gonna start dabbling in that, and, and I think baseball playoffs. I'm gonna start doing a little bit of that as well. So there you go, Rich. Well, because then you the get pick. you got the actual playoff matchups. You know who's pitching. You kind of know what the teams are. You, you know what I mean? Like I'm a little hesitant to do regular season baseball, but once it's the playoffs, you know, like we're getting down to it. You, you know, you know who's pitching. You know the rotations. You know the bullpen. You, you get a little bit better of an idea. So. Yeah, the important thing, you know you're getting the top bullpen arms. Right, exactly. I'm not getting slubs like the White Sox the other day trying out other arms. I'm like, nah, nah, get out of here. <laughs> Tell yeah. Matt Foster to hit the fucking bricks. Let's go. Let's get It's big boy time now. Like, <laughs> Rich getting annoyed because the Twins overtook him last night. I He's am. getting a little feisty. A little Rich is getting a little feisty. Listen, you're in. doesn't really make that much of a difference who wins the division at this point. I mean, you, you, I think both of you need to watch out for Cleveland. I know. Red fucking hot. Oh, every time I turn around, Jose Ramirez is three for four with two home runs. Yeah. Uh, fucking, you know, so that's who you guys need to worry about. But uh, look, you're in. I'm the one sweating it out on nightly basis. Oh, come on. You're fine. <laughs> we're, we're a game up in the game spot. What are you talking about? I'm sitting here. I, I, I was I was watching the uh, Giants game as we're talking about the Road Warriors uh, sitting here open. They did lose, by the way. So that's good for the Reds. And now I've got like three other games on the screen. Reds are off tonight, which is painful because you're at the mercy of everybody else playing when you don't have control of your own destiny in a given night. We got to play the Twins the last three. And because you guys fell apart, the Twins are still still playing hard. I was hoping that we'd roll into Minnesota and the Twins are like locked into like the five seed. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't really care anymore. So they're kind of just trying out some arms, resting some guys. Yeah, Yeah, no, sorry. They're setting their rotation for next week, so we're facing jabronis one through three. Uh, you know, no, they're they're Fucking sitting here playing for yeah, a title, choked, yeah. but that's partly our fault because we took two out of three from you last weekend. Yeah, so thanks a lot. So you know, yeah. I we, the Reds, uh, you know, set their own destiny here. But uh, yeah, Rich is going to get in the mix here with a little playoff betting. Yeah, I like I to see so, that. Yeah. Ready to go. Look, All right. I, look, I know you're a cheapskate. You could just do like five dollar parlay. Yeah, no, no, no. Put a little more. Oh, spicy. You know, next Thursday, there's eight Major League Baseball playoff games. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
<laughs> so incredible. With, you just throw a fiver on an eighteen parlay, okay? <laughs> and that fucker hits. You're talking about a couple hundred bucks easy, you know. Especially if you throw a couple underdogs in the mix. Which why wouldn't you in the bait with all those aces going? Why wouldn't you throw a couple underdogs in the mix? You know. So, uh, you know. MyBookie.ag. Yeah, put five bucks in. They'll give me five bucks. I got ten. Now I got ten dollars to work with. So look at that. Right. Not bad. All right, let's talk about G1 here. As I mentioned, you're doing uh, daily G1 updates at patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. $5 tier uh, to do that. Uh, Reviews after every single one of the shows. You have not done Night 4 yet. I also have not seen Night 4, so some of our B-block takes uh, won't be as as refined. But we have full A-block takes. We got all the A-block takes because you and I have watched uh, every single night of the A-block so far. Uh, So I just want to do what we did last year. Where we kind of we'll mention a name, we'll talk a little bit about what they've done in the tournament. I'll give you their points, and and we can go. Some might be a sentence, some will go a little bit longer, but I think it's a good way to do it as opposed to going through show by show and talking about the results and talking about the matches. That kind of bores me, but this I like kind of kind of the narrative uh, of each wrestler uh, so far in the tournament. So we'll start with the A block, and we have a three way tie at the top with four points with Taichi, Will Osprey, and Jay White. We'll start out with Taichi. Uh, what have you thought of his tournament so far? Because I've been very surprised by his output and very encouraged by his output so far. Well, he got the big win over Suzuki, which I think was a big storytelling kind of device there. So um, I think that's the big thing. And he, you know, and he stared at the iron glove after the match and all that because he, he basically beat Suzuki clean after the early brawling in the match. So I think that's kind of his theme. Are we seeing the slow transition to, to Taichi Goon? You know, that, that's, that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've I've, I've really noticed and, and and liked about Taichi so far this tournament and really gave me like it, that that first night we we learned a lot that first night we learned what the Okada story was going to be we learned and what I learned from Taichi was that he was going to be mostly bullshit free because we talked about that the week prior is like we were worried that they need somebody to muck it up in the A block somebody to be kind of the and and we haven't seen that from Taichi so far he's been pretty I mean yeah the, the Suzuki match was a little plundery or whatever but he hasn't been full on bullshit and and really the G1 itself and, and we'll talk about it a little bit like. Outside of Toriano, there really hasn't been a lot of it, which has been really encouraging, is that it has been a lot of straight-up matches. Uh, but Taichi just being a dude and just going out there and winning, and yeah, he takes a little bit of you know shortcuts when he can or whatever, and that's fine. I have no issue with that, but I, I've been really encouraged by his output, uh, and I'm definitely ready if he kind of assumes power uh, over Minoru Suzuki. I think it, it, it's time for a change in that in that stable and in, in that unit, so I, I, I welcome that idea if he kind of slowly but surely assumes power over the next year. All right, let's talk about Will. Will has four points as well, tied for the lead in the A block. He, I think, has had a fucking tremendous tournament. My MVP so far, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, he's great. <laughs> what else do you say about Will Osprey? I know. Yeah, I mean, I want to hold off until I see the second night of the B block um, before I start throwing MVP candidates out. It's also um, two matches in. It's utterly ridiculous for me to name an MVP at this point, but... Yeah, Rich, really jumping the gun. No, I, 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 I actually, it's kind of a tongue in cheek too because I see people being like, "Oh, this guy's a clear MVP so far." I'm like, there's two matches. Like, oh yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. I mean, we have three more weeks to go. Like, let's maybe uh, chill. Fans, <laughs> fans are fans. Fans are fans. I, I like it. Like it's, it's like the first week of the MLB season. Well, this guy's hitting 600, so I think we, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it, you know fans are going to be like fans. Steve Pierce you know, is clearly on the, on the front of me, you know. Yeah, but I think um, you know I would lump. Will and Jay White together. I, I talked about this maybe on our Discord. I guess plug the Discord um, earlier today. I don't remember whether it was the Discord or some chat or something. But I think Will Ospreay and Jay White are the two most interesting people in this tournament so far. Okay, you've got Will Ospreay sort of with this slow burn heel turn 
I don't even know how slow burn it is. I mean, he's just being – did you see his post-match comments after he beats Ishii and how he talked about Shingo? Did you see that? Oh, yeah, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, talking about how, you know, I'm going to, you know, in Kobe where Shingo wrestled for Dragon Gate. And I'm going to beat him again just like I beat him in the Super Juniors, and I'm going to embarrass him. And, you know, this after cutting the promo after the Ujiro match where he said he was the best wrestler in the world, which really got under the skin of, of, of a lot of people for various reasons. Um, so he's kind of doing this heelish thing, which I think is going to play into that final match against Okada, which is interesting because by then you figure Okada will have figured it out and will probably need that match to advance. And he's in there against, you know, Will Ospreay, who is sort of his protege. But, you know, Will's kind of doing this heel thing and, you know, he's going to be out to spoil it for Okada. I thought that was the most interesting potential matchup in the tournament before it even started. And now it's even more interesting than I thought it was with this new, you know, dynamic that's going on with the stories that both Okada and Ospreay are telling. It's going to be a real interesting match from that perspective, you know. And then Jay White, I think, has been phenomenal in both matches yes. that I saw. Yeah, he's he's I been mean, really, really good. And I, I, the thing that got me about the first night with him, and again, like a lot, we, we learned so much on that first night. Dude didn't miss a beat. He was like perfect. <laughs> he was already back and, and ready to go, fit into his role. Fit, and it's just like, oh my God, like the people trying to twist themselves in a knot about, oh, evil's good and evil's great at this. And it's like, dude, here comes a guy who's the leader of the Bullet Club that can can do this heel work, keep you interested. Does I mean, I just thought, yeah, he was phenomenal on that first night. And then that, the match with the Bushi um, on, on, on night two, I that might end up being in my top five of the entire tournament. I, oh, love, I love that, that match. match. Oh my God, the story. Of that match, the selling, the offense, the shit talk of Jay White. It's like, yes, this is how you do heel work. This is what you do. It's just, oh, he's been great. Yeah, the way he worked over Abushi's leg and the shit talk. And the finish, even with the Gato stuff, didn't bother me because no. it wasn't egregious and no, it wasn't overdone. And he's really come into form. And, and yeah, that show, which was really a nothing show up until the Will Ishii match, which you know, I think so far is the match of the tournament, but I've only seen three shows. I haven't seen the fourth show yet. Um, I thought the the Will Ishii match in a real building where fans are allowed to cheer may have been a five-star match. Um, you know, because a lot of the stuff they did would have gotten just ridiculously monster reactions in front of a real crowd. You know, as it was, I still think it was a four-and-a-half-star match at minimum because the work was just so spectacular from both guys. But that show, starting with that Willow Spray Ishii match and then that main event with Jay White and Ibushi, I mean, just closed on such a high note. And, you know, I just, you know, I was buzzing after that show. That was just a phenomenal show. Um, what did you think of Ospreay Ishii? I didn't love it as much as you did. Uh, I, I like it a lot. It's one of those weird matches that, like, I think I went four with at. And it just, it didn't, I don't know if it hit me on that. Big, big level. I don't know why. Like, I, I, I should have enjoyed it as much. It is, it is Will, and it's Ishii, and those are two guys that I absolutely love. And I think it was, you know, th- that was a match I, I absolutely believe, absolutely believe that had that been in front of a crowd, I would have liked it, like, a lot more. Like, you're saying that it would have been five stars, like, match of the year level with a crowd. I think I would have went from, like, yeah, that was a damn good match, to, like, wow, what a tremendous match with a crowd. Uh, so I think I'm kind of in the same way as you, but I just didn't like it nearly as much as you did uh, at its floor. But, hey, you know, it, it, it was still a tremendous effort by both guys. And, and there was enough spectacular stuff to happen in it that, that really um, really did hook me. It just, yeah, it wasn't on that, like, match of the year type of level for me whatsoever. Well, when Will went for that, Os Cutter off the top turnbuckle and Ishii caught him. I mean, that, my God, what a fucking spot. And then the headbutt, the Ishii headbutt, 
uh, and the way Will's head, you know, shot back and his hair went flying and the sweat, I mean, and just the way he sold it. And really what put the match over the top for me was the opening third where Will is being cocky and he's, he's offering the disingenuous handshake and with the dumb smile on his face and he's talking shit to Ishii, right? And he's really just treating him like he's beneath him. And then Ishii has enough and he just decks him in the corner. Yeah. yeah. You remember that spot? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Osprey's in the corner like, oh shit, I just picked a fight that maybe I didn't want to pick, right? And then from there, you know, they just went into the uh, closing stretch, which was just phenomenal and perfectly worked and all that. So for me, that was a match that didn't have any, any wasted time, any wasted spots. Everything mattered. Um, and, 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 you know, even from the mannerisms and, and Will's cockiness early to how he really had to empty the tank to beat the guy. I mean, when he busted out that Stormbreaker into the pile driver, Oh my God! I popped off my couch. Yeah, what a move! Yeah, that was a tremendous head. move. Like, holy shit! What a fucking move that is to add to his arsenal of you know already incredible offense. And then, um, yeah, so I just thought that match was great. And then you know it got capped off that night with another great match, where where Jay White I thought, you know, so far, and I haven't seen night three. You know, that was the best singular match performance to me against Abushi. He was just so good in every way. You know, it's just he's just a great heel. He's top tier. Um, you know, who, what's the comparison? Who'd you just compare him to? That uh, didn't you just compare him to someone who he blows away? Oh, I just said evil. Like when, when you when you look at what we had oh, to endure yeah. with the evil, and it's just like, oh my god, people twisting themselves into knots. No, this is good heel work. No, he's good heel, and it's like, no, come on. No, I mean, and Jay White has a a huge head start on him and all that. He's been doing this for three well, years. He's also now, good and evil's not. So that uh, I was being diplomatic, but <laughs> right. I, you know, I don't want to do the evil thing again. Cause I can get started too. I know, I know, I know, but I think that evil, you know, I, what was encouraging about the B block. Are we done with the A block here? Or do you want to keep going? Let's go down the whole A block. Yeah. Here. Let's go down the A block. Yeah. Put a pin in your, in your evil uh, yeah, take. Yeah. We'll, we'll go quick over some of these other names. I think there's not a ton uh, again, we're two nights in, so it's hard to really uh, you know get these overarching thoughts other than guys like Will and, and, and Jay. But uh, Kotobushi at two points. Um, I mean, the, the match against Okada was unfortunately kind of a throwaway, uh, more of a story. But uh, yeah, obviously the match with Jay White was tremendous. And I think he's going to be in the mix at least until the final day. I mean, th- th- there's no doubt that he's going to be in that mix. Um, Jay White? Uh, uh, Kotobushi. Kotobushi. Oh, Abushi. Abushi. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. White, White could win the block. Oh, White. I mean, well, yeah. I, I think he's my favorite to win the block for sure. And and, and yeah. Abushi's going to be in the mix at least until the uh, the final days, too. And, he, and he'll reach higher highs and he'll reach pretty highs throughout. But, I mean, he's off to a pretty good start there with just that Jay White match alone. So, yeah. Uh, Minoru Suzuki. I don't know if I really have any take on Suzuki so far. Um, Fine. No, I mean, just. just <laughs> yeah. the, no, I mean, yeah. He's He's been Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. You know, it's. it's yeah. The baseline's fine. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing. That's fine. I mean, the Ishii match, I love the Ishii match. It's probably, um, no, again, this is pointless because I've only seen three shows. And by the time people listen to this, another, at least one more show, maybe two will have happened. But I mean, you know, just looking through my notes, the, the, the Ishii-Suzuki match, I would probably put that as my number three or four match of the tournament. I'd have uh, Ishii, Osprey. And then Tanahashi Naito would easily, I think, be my number two. And then I'd probably go with Ishii and Suzuki as my number three. And then maybe um, White and Abushi and Shingo. Nobody cares. Who's next on the list? <laughs> All right, next up. I, uh, I, I, I catch myself sometimes like, Joe, not a single person <laughs> no, yeah. right now. 
Uh, Okada is, of course, we talked about him at the top, so I don't think we need to really, you know, we talked about him a little. I, I, that I, a little bit, but a lot of that was kind of, you know, me leaning in and doing shtick. But look, it, it's it's look, it should be obvious to everyone now that a lot of the stuff he's doing is intentional. Uh, you know, the question is, you know, is this a way to help him rest up? Okay, let's tell this little story where you're trying to find your footing with a new wrestling style. And that kind of gives you an out to wrestle kind of an easier style while you're doing it. Like that's entirely possible. Um, but you, you watch him wrestle and it's like he's eliminated a lot of the trademark spots that pop the crowd for easy pops. Um, you know, he's not bumping as much, although in the, the Yujiro match, he bumped a ton, which, you know, kind of shits on the idea that his, that his back is shot. I think the I think the taped up back is totally gimmick. <laughs> I can't believe I, people buy I, the taped up. People it's like 2020. I know he's like, oh, his back's shot because he put a roll of athletic tape around his back. Joe, if your back hurts, I dare you to put a roll of athletic tape around your back and say, ah, perfect. <laughs> no longer does my back hurt anymore. Are, are people ever going to learn from Tanahashi year <laughs> after year after year after year after year? I mean, oh, loosely you know, applied athletic tape. He tore his tricep. <laughs> he, he he's got his back taped up, and then Yujiro works over his back, and it's like, <laughs> no, every year we had to tell people. Oh my god! And then the best part, remember, like, remember the one year uh, Tanashi shared a picture, like the most zoomed-in picture of like a torn bicep, and he's like, "This is my bicep," and everyone's like, "Well, that's it." <laughs> like, yeah, it must be. It's like, guys, we had to, we had to literally start a show and say, "Guys, wrestlers, sometimes I know not all the time, but sometimes Joe wrestlers will get this, pretend that they're hurt when they're not actually hurt." Are you telling me Goshiozaki's <laughs> right arm really isn't on the verge of falling off? Is this what you're I, can't, I can't confirm or deny that, but I think he might be playing it up a little bit more, um, and, and and it might actually um, not be okay. But yeah, it, it's just it's unbelievable that people still he put loosely applied athletic tape. Well, his back shot, he's done. <laughs> kind of the beauty of the Okada thing, though, is that he's working this so well that he has convinced people that he stinks, and you're supposed to think that he stinks. That's the idea. Like the whole point of this work is that you're supposed to think that he stinks now. And it's like, that's how, you know, you could argue that he's doing this well because he has successfully fooled people who don't want to be worked because rich wrestling fans do not want to be worked anymore. We've talked about that a million times. He successfully worked people into thinking that he stinks now with this thing that he's doing. And um, look, I, again, I don't love it. I'd rather see him out there having good matches, but you know, I am curious where it goes. Does he just kind of like, here's where I'm interested where it goes. Okay. And this is something we didn't talk about at the top. So I think it's fresh when he finally snaps out of it. Is it because he reverts back to his old ways or is it, or is it because he figures out this way? That's intriguing to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that's honestly why I thought he should have lost the Yudro uh, match because that would be a nice point for him to just go like, "Oh God, what am I doing? Like, I need to, I need to completely transform myself." Versus just like, "Yeah, I had a really shitty match with Yudro, but I still won." So ah, whatever. You know that I don't like that story as much as the "Oh my God, I fucked up." Oh, I can't believe I lost to Yudro because to me, well, and, and I guess it depends on that. On what, like you said, what the story is going to be. If maybe he goes, hey, you know, I figured out with this Yudro, and I'm going to lean harder into the Cobra Clutch, and I'm going to lean harder into this thing. Because my ideal story is that he lo- he loses the Yudro and then just goes, all right, this Cobra Clutch thing fucking sucks. It's not going to work. I'll just hit the goddamn Rainmaker again and be the Okada of old. I get it. Like, but he, you know, he's. I'm sure 
in a weird way. And we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but he's like a 28 or 29 year old, 30 year old, whatever the hell he is right now, who's done it all. So he has to like invent stories for himself to, to keep himself interested. And one of the stories is, ah, what if I suck for a little bit? You know, what if I suck for a while? And I guess I enjoy that, but it's like, yeah, you're, you're right. I don't know what that next story is. And maybe he is bored of being the old Okada. So maybe the new thing is that he, um, like you said, he, he leans into this and becomes better at this style. I don't know. It, yeah, that, that's where I'm curious uh, where it ends up. And a lot of people are like, oh, we already saw this with Balloon Okada. I disagree. I don't think it's the same. I, 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 My read on Balloon Okada was he was depressed. Like it was this weird depression phase he was going through. This is a guy who's trying to reinvent himself, who is slumping badly because this reinvention isn't going well. And it's starting to sink in with him. After the loss to Yano and, you know, losing in New Japan Cup and losing to Abushi because he made a dumb mistake and Abushi even saying, who is this guy? I don't want to wrestle this guy. I want to wrestle the guy who will challenge me the way he did on the fourth. And then struggling with Yujiro and, and acknowledging that he's got to get better if he wants to win this thing. This is like a real sports story in a way, you know, of of a team that, you know, struggled in a in a first round playoff game and knows that as the competition gets harder and you're not facing a Ujiro anymore and you're facing, you know, night after night of these superstars in this block that your performance against Ujiro isn't going to cut it. You've got to, you know, uh, uh, you got to be able to, to hit that drop kick on the first attempt. You have to be able to smoothly counter into that tombstone instead of struggling mightily to get the guy into the tombstone position every time. You've got to figure out whether this money clip is the right move or not after Yujiro easily escaped it twice before he finally put it on in the center of the ring. All of those things. Um, I suppose it's an interesting story, but I would prefer to just see good matches. And Because the downside of this story is it, the, res, the end result is underwhelming matches. You know, that, that's sort of a of, – uh, uh, what comes out of telling a story like this is you're not having the matches that we're accustomed right, to. Right, right, right. But from a pro wrestler standpoint, it's like that, you know, when they're telling stories, they're not worried about how many stars Dave Meltzer are giving their matches. They're just out there trying to tell the story that either they're trying to tell or their booker wants them to tell or whatever the case may be. And that's kind of what's happening right now. And the non smarks who are watching this, you know, probably have a slightly different take than people like us who are nerds. And just want to fill up our notebooks. But, um, you know, definitely the matches are not, uh, definitely not aesthetically. Now, look, the Ibushi match wasn't awful. It was just underwhelming. Um, you know, I wouldn't call it a bad match. Uh, and the Yujiro match was just a match. I mean, I was just, you know, a dopey little two and a half star match. Um, all right, we'll go through these other guys pretty quick and then we'll move to the uh, uh, B block here. Jeff Cobb, I think... Um, a little bit more encouraging than the last year. I think the match with Taichi was really good. Uh, definitely shocked me. I still need a little bit more, but I think he's he's acclimated himself well. And if he's just like middle of the pack in the A block, that's fine. I just didn't want him to be the one of the worst guys in the A block. And, and so far, uh-huh. he hasn't been that. Yeah, so. he hasn't. But the thing with Cobb is, I think you get one gear with him, right? And you know, you you've seen his his now it was a different kind of match with Taichi, but you get the same gear every time. And I really think it was the least interesting match that Shingo has had in a long time. That was, yeah, I, I don't know what the hell happened there. I've seen some people that really liked that match. I thought it stunk. 
I mean, I won't go as far. I mean, far st- to say stunk, it's stunk. In, stunk in relative terms. I, I should say it's still fucking Shingo, but like you're saying, dragging Shingo to something that I just kind of, kind of bored with and want to be done is not not great. So little gentleman's three. Yeah, you know that's like, that's not Shingo territory. <laughs> like, I mean, Shingo's been going out there having bangers with everybody he gets in the ring with for the last year, last right. two years. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like this is just so with Jeff Cobb. I don't think Jeff Cobb has been bad. I think he's been pretty good, but he's only one year with this guy. He's not a guy who's going to get in there with, you know, whoever the fuck and just he's just going to wrestle at his level always. That's just what he is. Um, Tomoro Ishii, zero points. I think that's a, a little surprising for some people, but shouldn't be surprising for no. most because he never gets a ton of points in the G1 yet. Surprising. Every year in the Pick'em, yeah, 12 points, 14 points, runner-up in the B block, runner-up in the A block, and it's like, nah, nah. But he could he could score anywhere from six to ten. Yeah, I mean it's you know he could go three and fucking three and uh, six. I guess it would be, or you know five and four. You know that you know, but he's never going to really exceed that. Uh, and then we'll move on. The last two guys here, uh, Shingo. Uh, are you surprised at zero points for Shingo? I, you know, I talked about Shingo behind the paywall. I'm just disappointed in how they book him. I mean, I know there's a lot of tournament in front of us, and I think he's going to beat Will Ospreay based on Will Ospreay's promo. And the fact that he can get the win back, you know what I mean? And the fact that he's 0-2 and Will is 2-0, I think that screams a Shingo win. So I think he's going to beat Will Ospreay. But um, you know, losing to Cobb, I, that one kind of bothered me. Yeah, and I, I know like people, people were getting on me for that, and they were like, well, Cobb's going to be a never guy. And But it's like, I don't know. I just – it's it's. I feel like I've, I, I've accepted that they're never going to push Shingo – at the superstar level when, and I think it's such a waste because I think he can be a money drawing uh, superstar for them. Right. And it does seem weird that, yeah, maybe they're waiting a little too long with it where it's like, you don't really have to break this guy down and build him back up again. He's fucking Shingo. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's there. Why why move him up to heavyweight if you're just going to make him exactly right. He should still be dominating the juniors then if if, if he's just going to be a dude on the roster. Like, yeah, I, I, I I a hundred percent agree with you. I'm, I'm shocked. These guys are points. Like you said, we might sound like complete idiots in a few weeks as you know, but, but, I'm I'm sort of with your standpoint too, where it's like hey, maybe they just don't see this guy as like that dude. And like you know, I I, I saw those reactions. People saying, "Well, Cobb's going to be a never guy." Well, fuck Jeff Cobb. The fucking make Shingo a never guy. Yeah, right? who's got the potential here? Yeah, I like mean, who's the who's the future superstar? Who can main event a Wrestle Kingdom? It's not fucking Jeff Cobb. Like, I mean, to me, Jeff Cobb is just a guy on the roster. Yes, exactly. Right. You know, you know, it's it's Shingo's a guy you can draw money with. And again, we may end up looking foolish, but it's like. Why move a guy up and have him put him in the G1 last year and move him up and have him. And last year I had no issues with that was his first foray into heavyweight. No, okay, year, whatever. That's yeah, that's fine. But this year should be what he's what Will Ospreay is doing right now, where he is going to be in the mix. Will is going to be in the mix where Shingo, it's hard to really see the scenario where he's still in the mix. Again, we might be wrong. And in two weeks time, we look like idiots, but I don't know. No, and they book him to look like a monster and dominate the juniors. And then the only junior he loses to is the other guy that moves up. Who's probably going to be an IWGP champ at some point. So you're established that he's way better than the juniors, right? And you move him up, you give him this never run, and now, you know, it looks like he's going nowhere in this G1. I don't understand that. Like, why are you pumping the brakes then? I, I, I it, it's, it's just frustrating that it appears that they're pumping the brakes. And, um, you know, you, like you said, we might turn around and he's like, you know, six and three at the end of the thing. But I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not encouraged by his start. Um, and then Yujiro is, is Yujiro, so I don't... 
Yeah, I mean, look, I don't even think he's been terrible. He hasn't been you offensive. Know, like, yeah, that's all you want is, is – was Ujiro offensive in the G1 so far? No. All right, cool. Good. No, <laughs> I mean, I thought Will Ospreay got as good a match you were going to get out of him, and I thought the finish was phenomenal. And then I thought they told the story that they intended to tell in the Okada match, even if it was just a match. And he hasn't dropped anybody on their head or, you know, done <laughs> – Right. I, it's it's pretty crazy that we have to look at it this way. The but, baseline is: Has Yujiro hurt anybody? No. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, has he dropped anyone? No. Like he, he sometimes he picks guys and he like drops them. Like it's just <laughs> a thing that he does. But like, um, yeah, he's been fine. I mean, it's just you know he's gonna work the first match every night, and you know it's gonna be you know a seven or eight minute match for a guy, effectively their night off, and you just hope it has a fun closing stretch. Yeah. It's really all you can hope for. You're never going to get a great match out of it. If you get what Will Ospreay got out of him, that is like a gigantic bonus. Um, and then you go from there. Uh, and then quickly we'll do the B block because, of course, like you said, you and I have not seen Night 4. So I know there's a lot of stuff that happened on Night 4. I, I know a very well-received uh, Naito uh, Zack Sabre Jr. match that I'm excited to check out. Uh, it's just there's so much stuff going on right now. It's so hard to watch it all. But uh, quickly on the B block, uh, Juice Robinson, Toru Yano, Tetsuya Naito. All at four points uh, apiece. Uh, I'm assuming Toro, Yano, and Juice Robinson will not be in the mix until the final days. But what have you thought of uh, of Juice and, and I guess, uh, Toro Yano's output so far? I thought Juice did a good job hyping the crowd up on night one. Um, got him to stomp and clap to We Will Rock You. So it felt like a big atmosphere for his match. Um, you know, Naito Tanahashi was obviously awesome. Oh, was how like, good was that? Just a throwback. Okay. That was just Tanahashi's going, you know what? 2013, let's fucking do it. Let's just go. Yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> it, and it's just such an interesting story because he wrestled the perfect match and he channeled his younger self, but he was not good enough to beat the best yep. guy in the company. And, and, and that's a great story, you know, because that just sums up 2020 Tanahashi. Even on his very best day where he's channeling his best self, it's not good enough to beat the double champ. So that's a great story to tell. It was a great way for the block to open. And then, um, you know, we see where we go from there. Yeah, it's, my it's really probably hard. my favorite match of the entire tournament so far. I, I would that's that fair. One, so. I mean, absolutely, that's fair. I think that'd be a lot of people's favorite match of tournament. And I think that um, well, it's really hard to evaluate a block when I've only seen one night. But, um, you know, the, the other takeaway I have from the block is I thought Kenta's match was so encouraging. Because he came to the ring alone and just wrestled. Yep. And it occurred to me that with Yano in the block and with um, Evil in the block, I can't believe we were so stupid to think that Kenta – they weren't going to do that with three guys. <sighs> Dude, I, I was worried. You never know what the 2020 New Japan, man. You never know. Three out of five matches, they were not going to do that. So we, we should have been smarter and realized. But look – his his New Japan strong run has been so frustrating that it was like it was scary. You thought that maybe they would do it with three of the matches every night. But he doesn't even come down with a manager. He comes down alone and just wrestles. Now I didn't see night four, so maybe we're, we're talking out of our ass and we're gonna look stupid. But night one to me was very encouraging because you know they usually stick to those patterns with each guy. So, you know, I'm fairly confident. Someone in the chat room, did 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 Kenta come down to the ring on night four without a manager and wrestle straight. That's all we would like to know. So someone will let us know in a second, but um, any other takeaways from B block? 
not a ton of, of of ones that really stand out to me. I think like again, without seeing that 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 fourth night, it's hard to really say. Tanahashi at zero uh, doesn't it, you know doesn't surprise me all that much. I've heard you know the first evil match. I, mean, I guess what was your take on on, on you know the first of uh, evils two nights? The, the one Zack Saber Junior. I thought it was worked pretty clean. Um, I'm. I, I don't know. I think he stinks. I, whatever. I, he what was fine, but like I'm talking about Zack Saber Jr. and Evil oh, on, uh, on oh, night yeah. two, and it's like I see a lot of people being like, "Oh, see, Evil's good." Like, he's fine. I don't know. Like, yeah. I thought that match was okay. It was okay, um, but like, let's. You know. know, I went three and a quarter on it. It was what it was. The thing about Evil is now it's condensed to 15 minutes. Yes, which does so, help a lot. So, and we are told that Kenta did wrestle on night four by himself Fantastic. again with no that's yeah. it. look that's awesome you know how they do look you know they do the same thing every night with everybody so he did it on night one i was fairly certain he would continue so that was a relief i mean you know if kent is gonna go out there look i like that goto match i thought that goto match was hard hitting um you know and kenta beat him clean i mean i, I enjoyed that i went three and three quarters yeah, on i like that match a lot too so um you know that that was an encouraging part of the. Now the B block, I mean, I you know we thought the A block was stronger, but we didn't completely bury the B block. You know, and I thought the B block had a good show on night two, and we're told that the show on night four was really good too. So, um, you know, they'll probably have their nights where you know. Now, now look, I'm so sick of Yano that I don't, it really does not matter to me what Yano does ever. I just I cannot take it. So, yeah, it's a skip to be honest. I'm not going to waste my time with any Yano matches this this year. So. Yeah, I mean, I gotta watch them. You know, you have I'm, to. I'm, I, I don't. Yeah, if I if I cover for you, I will. But other than that, I, instant skip. I don't care. Not gonna pull a prat here. I'm gonna watch all the matches. Yeah, but life's too I, short, though. For <laughs> you know, I, I, but you know, I, I. But if I wasn't reviewing them, I, you know, I, I might skip them. You know, I might. But um, yeah. But so I'm never gonna like them. I just resign myself to that. But um, you know. Hard to really break it down any further since we've only seen one night. So. Absolutely. So that's that. Uh, as we said, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling Joe doing uh, coverage of every single night uh, of the tournament. Also, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. I'm going through uh, past G1s, and we're getting into the final. We're getting into some of the modern matches as well. I think uh, it should be interesting for people as well. 2012, uh, we're going to talk 2014, 2017, some big-time you know, recent G1 finals we're going to talk about. But uh, I, I've gone through the 91, 92 uh, 95, 2003, so a lot of really fun matches, a lot of really fun discussions as well uh, so far on, on, on the Grade 1 series there. But uh, plenty of G1 coverage, both past and present, at uh, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. And speaking of stuff going on uh, on the Patreon as well, uh, the NOAA N1 Victory Tournament, you have been doing every single night of that. I've seen bits and pieces, I've seen little matches here and there, I've seen what I can uh, but you've given pretty damn good reviews of this so far, and I'm 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 encouraged by your reviews. I'm encouraged by everybody's reviews. Uh, this seems like a total 180 from what the Champion Carnival was was giving us with All Japan, correct? It's been better than the Carnival, yeah. Uh, um, it's not only been better than the Carnival; it just feels bigger. They've done a better job making their tournament feel important than All Japan has with theirs. Uh, the Carnival just feels like standard All Japan house shows, listless, lifeless. Doesn't help with the clap crowds. They're not doing anything special presentation-wise. And then you turn on these N1 shows, and it just it feels like a big presentation, and it's important, especially night one, you know, with the lights out and the lasers and all that bullshit. And then, you know, um, just Noah being part of a more stable company too, like the on-screen graphics are more professional. And it just feels like a a, 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 a more important and vital tournament than the, than the Carnival does. The Carnival – is just so listless from their in-ring effort to the presentation. 
um, right down to the bells and whistles. It feels like they're doing the carnival because they feel like they have to. Right. Whereas the N1, it, it, you know, it was well booked coming in. It's well booked as it's going on. There's a lot of cool storyline stuff going on with the booking. The rest, the effort among the wrestlers has just been at a different level than the champion carnival efforts where it mostly feels like they just want to get in and out. Um, you know, the Noah guys, they're having Noah matches. They're getting in there and beating the shit out of each other in a lot of cases. And uh, they've made Sakuraba interesting. I think yeah, I watched, uh, I watched Sakuraba and Mochizuki, and I loved it. That was a great match. Oh, well, that was so good. And Mochizuki, let me tell you, he had the draw against Kiyomiya in his first match, which it had some flaws, but I thought he was excellent there. The Sakuraba match you're talking about where he just got caught, right? Yeah, it's like he eight minutes. Great- it's eight minutes. Mochi, you know, Sakuraba's kind of working him, working him, working him. Mochizuki goes for something. I forget what he went for exactly. Sakuraba just put him down, locked him in a hold, and, and Mochizuki just went, well, <laughs> that's the end of that. Uh, I got a lot of tournament ahead of me, and there's no way I'm getting out of this because it's fucking Sakuraba that did it to me. So he taps out. I loved it. Yeah, just I love finishes out of nowhere. Stuff like that is awesome, and, and especially in the yeah. tournament setting too. Yeah, Mochizuki kicked him in the head right at the bell. He, he, he attacked him at the bell and then worked him over. He had a plan, and then he got caught. And, and the guy beat him. And then uh, Mochizuki, to me so far, is the MVP of the tournament because then he had a match with Go Shiozaki on the back end of the doubleheader, which I think is not only the match of the tournament, but one of the best matches in any of these tournaments, G1 included. I went four and a half on it. I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, and I know you've been trying to watch it. I'm, but- yeah, I'm going I'm to definitely check that one out either tonight or, or, or tomorrow morning. I, I tried like hell to watch it before we did the podcast here, but it just didn't work out, so... I know what you like, and you're going to love it. Yeah, I can't wait. That um, sounds right up my alley. I, everybody that knows what I, I heard it from, not only you, like two or three other people were like, hey, go watch this match. I know you'll love it. So I'm, I'm really excited to check it out. It was. Mochizuki, if he would have lost, he would have been eliminated. So he was wrestling with like a sense of desperation. And um, it was just, it was both guys at their best. And, you know, I know you love Mochizuki, and I know you're not a big Go guy, but if he's at his best, he's a really good The problem with Go is that sometimes he's so good, and I'm like, man, he's great. I love this guy. And then it's what we talked about at the top of the show. The reason I dislike him is because I know he's so good. (laughs) And there's some times where he just nails it, and I'm like, yes. Because if I I just thought he was bad, I wouldn't care. And I would just be like, yeah, whatever, who cares? The reason I get upset is because, like, sometimes he's so great, and then other times he's so bad. And when he's so bad, it just disappoints me because he is so good at sometimes. And, And, yeah, this one... Uh, from what everyone said, is is absolutely a match that I need to check out. And and, and to me, a good Go Shiozaki, it seems like, uh, uh, the way people well, are. Well, I think what's helping Go is he's had um, three matches now. And because they're telling this story with his arm, his matches have a clear focus. Yes. Yeah, he can get a little late. The matches can be, you know, 24 minutes of him just doing shit. And this is like, yeah. yeah. And his work also at times tends to get a little sloppy. He can be sloppy sometimes. But the story that they're telling with him has really kept everything that he's doing tight and focused. Even the opening match he had with Manabu Soya, who I'm loving in this tournament with, you know, the new look and he's wrestling like a badass. you know, so it was just Soya trying to rip his arms off and then Shiozaki making a comeback and winning. And that match, you know what that match reminded me of and what all of his matches are reminding me of? Nigel McGuinness's Ring of Honor World Title run, where his where his bicep was shot. Yes, oh, you remember that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was there live for a lot of those matches too. And every match was built around that legitimate injury, right? 
that's what this Shiozaki tournament feels like. Every match is built around these arms, particularly the right arm, because that's the lariat arm. And him trying to get by with just using the left arm. And then eventually he has to sell out and just, fuck it, I've got to accept the pain. Because if I don't hit this guy with the right arm, I'm not going to beat him. You know? So it's like, I think these match structures are keeping him focused, and that's really helping his performances too. And his selling has been so great. So I think it's a neck and neck right now, for me at least, with Mochizuki and Goshiozaki being uh, the two best guys in the tournament to this point. And I did uh, a match that I did watch, highly recommended to me, was uh, uh, Taniguchi versus Nakajima from, what was that, night three, I want to say, or maybe night two, night two rather. Um, Taniguchi Nakajima was the... Oh, my God. That was the the afternoon show on the doubleheader. That's right. Okay, that's what that was. Those dudes just went in there and beat the fuck out of each other for 12 minutes. It was awesome. Well, the Taniguchi comeback was so great because he just started laying headbutts and Yeah, he just kind of said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to kill this asshole because I can't figure out another way to beat him. And and he did. It was awesome. And what was was great about it is Nakajima cost himself because he got cocky. He could have beat him. He could have beat him. And he chose not to with that dumb smile on his face. He's like, ah, I'm going to torture him some more. And then Tanaguchi wasn't having it. And he just made this awesome fucking comeback and beat the living shit out of this guy. And then, um, you know, he's doing the headbutts and then he's doing the punt kicks to the head. Yeah. Oh, man. And then he choke slammed him. And then, uh, you know, he went back up, uh, you know, for his splash. And then, uh, you know, and then he did that one last punt kick and put him away. Yeah, you're right. That's one of the best matches of the tournament, too. That was... Uh, that was awesome stuff. Uh, so that's been the Noah N1. Again, uh, you could watch uh, or listen to daily audio uh, from Joe there, and uh, we'll try to catch up. And, yeah, but by the time the tournament's over, I, I will hopefully have caught up, and we can have a, a pretty good discussion about it. Um, yeah, so Kiyomiya is in first place in the A block. Yes, and I really yeah, think yeah. – look, I think that block's wide open for him. Well, how, I how many more nights do we have right now? Sorry to interrupt, but – No, okay, so we've got um, – the next show is Saturday. And that's a Wrestle Universe show, so everybody can see him watch that one with no stress. And then there's a show the following Saturday, so that'll be an, an Abima show. And then that's it. And then the final is the following Sunday. Got it. Okay. So there was a lot of shows in a short period of time, but now you're getting one a week on the weekends. Oh, it doesn't even end till October 11th. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. That gives me plenty of time to catch up. Then that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, and then Saturday, there's some possible elimination matches. Then the following Saturday is the final block night. And then, like you said, October 11th for the final. So, and we'll, I've been telling people behind the paywall, we'll talk about the final here as opposed to behind the paywall. So, two more reviews for the paywall. Um, but yeah, both this Saturday and the following Saturday. So, I think the A block is Kiyomiya's to win. There's no point in Shiozaki winning winning the block. And I don't see any of those other guys. Sakuraba, Mochizuki aren't winning the block. Yeah, those other four have no need to win. It's got to be Kiyomiya's to win, right? Yeah, I, I think the block's wide open for him. And he's in first place now. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, it's a natural story for him to beat Go to lock up the block. Because that's the whole thing. Like, he feels like Go stole his title. Right. Right. right, So it makes sense for him to beat go to win the block and then, you know, maybe go on to win the final and then maybe win. I think I think the time might be right, depending how he comes out of his tournament to win the title back. Yeah. Yeah. Win the the tournament, beat go, win the final. Yeah. That that seems so perfect then to go ride that momentum and, and, and win the title back for sure. 
he feels more like a genuine star now than when he had the title. Yeah, I, I watched uh, what I forget who he was against. I want to say forget what night I was watching, but just just him coming out, just the presence, just the look, just the, the attitude. Mochizuki draw or it wasn't that. Uh, it was something. I might have been the Kitamiya match. Maybe I forget what it was. It, 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 I ended up not being able to watch the entire match, so that's why I'm blanking on who it was. I just saw basically I saw their entrances in a few, like a few minutes of the uh, the match, and I had to go do something wrestled, else. But he wrestled Sakuraba. He wrestled Mochizuki. It would have probably and... been after the. Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't recall exactly. I guess it's not important because yeah. The regardless, he came out and he looked like like just the presence, just the attitude, just the you know, like. It seems so arbitrary and weird, but just the posture. You know what I mean? He came yeah. out feeling like a dude that's confident. And it's all about, like, posture is huge in, in, in anybody. In, in a job interview, as a wrestler, we talked about the Road Warriors. Those guys came out and they just looked and acted and immediately were just badasses. Kiyomiya, the first run, always kind of felt like he was just, like, overwhelmed by everything going on. I'm sure he was. Like, yes. I'm sure that's... Oh, listen, we talked about it ad nauseum. <clears throat> Again, another had... thing we write about, so... Yeah, he had, like, this fake ace run. Yeah, like, yeah, let's get into it. Let's go. Yeah, and it's like, but you yeah. Could, you could clearly see he lacked confidence. He looked scared a lot of the times. The way I would describe him is he looked like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, for this sure. was thrust upon him at the age of 22, and they give him this fancy robe, and they give him the title, and he's supposed to – he's asked to go out there and carry the company when 10 minutes earlier he was a young boy. And it was too soon. And we screamed about it at the time, and people argued with us, and he just – he wasn't ready. And this downtime away from the main events has done wonders for him. His confidence is up. He's had a chance to learn how to work and learn how to be an ace without the pressures of being the ace. Yeah, he also he like and, – and, and I mentioned this at the time too. It might be my first little body guy <laughs> reference, but he still looked like a little kid. When he won the title yeah. the first time, he had no mass. He looked like a, he looked literally looked like a young lion, like you're saying, and he was. He was 22 fucking years old. Already now, you could see the body getting a little bit bigger because he's 23. I looked, I was skinny when I was 22 as well. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's hard to put up, but you can already see like the the posture's better. He's wearing the robe a little bit better. He's walking out with confidence. He's got a nice look on his face. The body's coming together. Like yeah, it it, it it's all going in the right direction for him right now for sure. And this is exactly what we said they needed to do. Get the title off of him and let him breathe a little bit away from the main events and let him grow into this role because he's the guy. Okay, we all know he's the guy. They already committed that long title run to him to kind of establish him, and he's the guy. I, look, I, look, Cano is not the guy. Cano is a perfect foil for the guy. That's how I see Cano, okay? And he's, and he's good for that role. Nakajima, he could be the guy. With his reinvention. But Kiyomiya is the long-term guy. Okay? It's funny to say this. It's so weird to say this. But Nakajima's 30 already. It's time for the next guy. Like, <laughs> right, right. He's been young forever, but it's like, this dude's 23. Like, he's the future. And he's the one that they're investing all of their future in. You know? So I think the A block is his for the taking. The B block's a little more interesting. Because, you know, Nakajima could win it. Kano could win it. Sugi could win it. Um, I don't think Marafuji will win it. And the other two guys are non-factors. But, um, you know, Kano would be, uh, again, kind of a, a good foil in a final, I think, against Kiyomiya, um, especially since there's history there. You know, Kano knocking him out cold on January 3rd a couple years ago. And then they redid that match when, you know, remember they did the match again exactly one year later. So there's history there yeah. between Kano and Kiyomiya. So 
to me, I think Kiyomiya beating Goshiozaki and then maybe beating Kano, um, you know, would be would be an excellent story to tell if he's if he's going to win the tournament. You know, Nakajima, I think, is a threat to win the tournament. And even, Kano, I mean, Kano could always win the tournament. Sagara's always a threat. So I think the B block's a little more wide open. I just see a clear path yeah. for Kiyomiya in the A block. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely do as well. And that's probably the smarter, the easiest path is, is sometimes the best path, too. So, yeah, I, I'm all for that. That's right. Sometimes in wrestling, the obvious story just happens. <laughs> it's just the way to go, yeah. To the right story. You know, you don't always have to surprise everybody. You know, there's times where you don't want to give people what they want, and there's times where it's absolutely the right call to give people what they want. So this may be one of those scenarios. Well, I'm excited to hear that the the, the schedule's a little stretched out there, because I feel bad that I haven't been able to watch any of these. I've been watching G1. I've been watching all these other things, but now i get some time to uh, catch up on the, the N1. And... I'll tell you, okay, this will be good for the listeners, too. Um, you have like night- the, I, I heard the paper. You got, you got the recommended match list right here. I, I got it all out. Night all right. one. Hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll get the notepad up here. All right. All right. Go ahead. Oh, you're really You're really going to. Oh, no, no, down. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Man, this audio is killing me. Hold on. <laughs> That's fine. You've only done 80 hours this week. So what the hell? Come on. And I got to watch that G1 show as soon as we're done and do that. In the oh, meal. God. Well, you did this yourself. I recommended you not do this. So, just but this record. is it. Once I get past that. Yeah, because Carnival's done. You're, 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 yeah, you're in the rear view now. You're good. No, it's like one show a night for the rest. It's fine. This was just the roughest stretch because yesterday there was three shows. Um, on top of the Thursday TV review. <laughs> right, and on top of this stupid show. So. Yeah, so this. <clears throat> Hold on. This was the toughest stretch. Just so unprofessional. Um, okay, so yes, night th- one. That was the unprofessional part of this show. Yes. <laughs> show. That's right. <laughs> We're always, if not the most professional operation possible. But you coughing. Wow. That's now you've thrown, now you've thrown it all for a loop. So I told a story on the TV reviews today of, um, an ex-girlfriend's, I had an ex-girlfriend whose mother once blurted out that red panties were for whores. Ooh. So there, there, there's an unprofessional story for you. Uh, is that it fit true? the context of what I was talking about. Is that though, true? Yeah. No, it's a real story. I had a girlfriend. No, I mean, is is, is the is, and, is, oh, is no. that the red panties thing true? I didn't ever knew that. So, I, it might have been true for this old lady. Okay, I don't know. is that a thing in the yeah in the thirties? The I mean, flappers, the flappers. If they were, I don't red. think it's a thing now. No, I had this girlfriend when I was like nineteen or twenty, right? And obviously, she still lived at home. We were really young, and her mother was really old because she's someone who had a kid later in life. So the woman was already like well into her 60s at this point, right? So I don't even know, like, remember why she said <laughs> yeah, what a, it. What a bizarre way to, for the conversation to go, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, and she just blurted out to us. She's like, I guess maybe we were talking. I don't I don't think I would have been talking about panties. That's what I'm saying. 19-year-old me oh, is like, going over to a girlfriend's house talking about underwear. I don't think it's, it's anything that I would do, so. so. I don't know how it came up, but she was just like, yeah, I don't know. Red panties are for whores. And I will never forget that. It's been burned <laughs> into my brain. How could you forget that? Right? This like older lady. You know, and, and like on, on uh Dynamite, Trent said to FTR, You guys are already wearing your little red panties. So let's oh, just have a back tonight. Yeah. And every time someone brings up red panties, I think about this sixty five year old woman who told me that red panties were for horse. So I don't even know what why am I telling this story twice in <laughs> I have no idea. So <laughs> It's like the subscribers are like, Joe, we heard this. Yes, we know. Red Panties are horrors. We get it. We get it. Go, and go. It, and it's <laughs> disgusting, and I don't want to think about it, and you're telling it to me twice. Um, okay, night one of the N1, 
I went three and a half on everything except for the opener. Oh, so Jesus. it's all okay. Worth a while. All right, get out of here. I'm not watching the whole night. So no, 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 no. That's listen. That's the only night where it's like that. But that had the Mochizuki Kiyomiya draw, and the Shiozaki Soya match I told you about, and Kano Nakajima in the main event. All right, all right. It's night one. They came out big. Night one. Plus, watch everything is what I have. Okay, fine. Nah, you could skip Sugera Inamura. It stunk. Okay. Okay. But no, that they came out in the big arena. It was a big look. Just watch all those matches. Okay, night two. I would say is entirely skippable. Small building, 100 fans, and they really didn't try very hard. So you don't have to worry about night two. And you already watched Mochizuki. Yeah, that, I was going to say that's the only one that, that would probably matter, right? And I already got that. So Yeah, a bunch of, three, a bunch of fucking um, gentleman threes. Day four was the doubleheader. On the first show, um, you already watched Taniguchi Nakajima. And I would say that's the must-watch match off of that show. The only one. Now, you might want to watch that on Fight to listen to the awful commentary. Oh, my God. I heard. Yeah, I, I did not watch, but I, I heard. So so bad. Can, can we please, then, uh, can we please, as at, and when we heard that these were the names, we, these were the names that got, because these are the same people that did DDT, right? Yes. Okay. We, so we, we were warned. We were warned, and we, we, were, we were given... We relayed messages as to who these people were asking for, like, advice from. And I'm not, like, throwing those people under the bus. But I'm, like, the way that they were asking questions was, like, oh, you have no idea what this is. Like, you've never watched DDT. Yeah. You're, like, hey, what is DDT? Like, the questions were, like, hey, what kind of style is DDT? And I'm, like, oh, boy. Like, you can't do DDT unless you know DDT. And you can't really do any Japanese promotion unless you know that company. Well, Rich, this feels like a good time to mention that as soon as they hit the air – both Rob Hockman and Sonny Ono probably repeated a half a dozen times that we were about to see some good, strong style action. <laughs> of course, yes. So, I mean, that's what we were dealing with here right out of the gate. Right, yeah, just um, just ridiculous. There's there's no reason, especially in 2020, there is no reason to have English commentary with people that don't know what the hell is going on. Well, the worst part about it was was they clearly did not even bother preparing. Right, and that annoys me more than anything. I, I If you get booked for this and they say, hey, we need you to do Noah – and you go, oh, shit, I don't know anything about Noah. But you know what? That's fine. I'll learn. I'll do a crash course. I'll ask the right people. I'll watch a bunch of Noah. I'll get to know it. Like, Because that was like Kevin Kelly. I'll always remember when Kevin Kelly first did New Japan, you could tell he had very little idea what was going on. But like two, three shows in, he got it. He did the research. He dug in. And then he became great from that point forward. And he's still yeah, he great. Did, he, he did the work. And he didn't embarrass himself on those early shows because he did the work. And then he caught up. Because, Rich, once you start watching wrestling, it's easy. Yeah, it's not hard. You just got to watch a little bit of it. But, like, I always remember, like, the the flip side of that being Lanny Poffo doing New Japan. Remember that? Yeah. No effort. Where he clearly flew in, got off the plane, and went, all right, wrestling. And they're like, well, what do you know about New Japan? He goes, absolutely nothing. It's like, okay, well, that's not going to work. You need to know a little bit. Yeah, so just embarrassing in 2020 that we still have that, where where there's so many people, especially English language, that could probably help that out. I understand maybe it's hard to find a play-by-play guy, but there's no excuse not to find a color guy who who actually knows what the hell's going on with Noah. So So he is the champion of the British? (laughs) Lanny. Lenny. Never the, got the call back. Never got the call back, unfortunately. So the champion the of the British. Of prep, the, the lack of preparation was so obvious because the opener was a six-man tag. And Hockman wouldn't say who anybody was. Because <laughs> he didn't know anybody. No, listen, listen. He wouldn't say who anyone was until the ring announcer announced them. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and then, because the Japanese do the first name and last name in Oh, revert, no. Oh, no. You know where I'm going. Did he say Soya Manabu? 
And then he was calling them by their first names oh, because, no. because the ring announcer was saying the first name last. That's how unprepared he was. Oh no. No, I, I it was oh. it was horrendous. Horrendous. <laughs> oh, no. Okay? And then when the match started, he couldn't remember <laughs> what the names were, right? So then he just called everybody O'Hara. He was calling everybody because oh. I knew O'Hara. Was, <laughs> what? It was I, – I swear to you. You just decided was, I'm just going to call everybody that name and I'll be right one out of four times. And that's better than well, being he, wrong every time. No, but here's the thing. <laughs> he was misidentifying O'Hara. <laughs> But he was calling his other two partners O'Hara every time they tagged in. <laughs> so in other words, he was like trying to spray to all fields and just hope that it was right. Yeah. Oh, so so was, that, was that the Katogi O'Hara uh, Yoshiaka match? Yes, that's the match you're looking at. Okay. So he was probably very confused by the fact that there was an O'Hara and a Harada, right? Okay. This is what was going there on. There was an Okada, a Harada, and an O'Hara. I'm sure he did no, not enjoy team, that at all. <laughs> the team with O'Hara had Atsushi Katoge. Yes. Okay. He was calling <laughs> O'Hara Atsushi the whole time. Atsushi. Not even Katoge because, again, he was using right. first names for right, a lot right, of the right. guys. But I guess O'Hara was more memorable to him. And then when O'Hara would tag out to, <laughs> to whoever, he would call whoever came in the ring O'Hara. Like either guy. Oh boy. So it was at sushi and O'Hara, no matter who was it like <laughs> But eventually Sonny Ono corrected him. Like he's like, No, no, that's O'Hara. You're calling O'Hara at sushi. Sonny Ono knew who the people were. He just wanted this guy to sink, eh? he didn't give a shit. No, he was just so bad in other ways. Oh, like, I see. Okay. Ex- he would try to explain things and he was just a mush mouth. Like he would trip over his words and it would take him forever to make the point. And then to show you how further unprepared they were, Kano comes out for his match wearing the national title because he's the national champ, oh, no. right? They thought that was the oh, top yeah. title, didn't they? He thought it was the top title. <laughs> oh, he goes, no. And he knew that Kano won and won before. So he said, yeah, if Kano could win this thing, it's good for him because then he doesn't have to challenge himself for that oh, GHC championship. No. And he, the only reason he said that is because he saw him wearing a belt. Like, he didn't do the, the basic research to see that he wasn't the GHC champion. He was the national champion. And he also assumed that by winning the N1 previously, that's how he won the title. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. He thinks this tor- – yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was completely lost in every way. No clue. Never explained how the tournament worked. It wasn't until, like, the third, the third tournament match that they brought up, like – like Taniguchi needed to win to survive. He brought that up. Like that was the first time he brought up the points. Like if you were a first time Noah viewer, you might have thought this was like a knockout tournament. Like just this is yeah, like, like yeah, not not round robin. That yeah, th- this guy loses, he's done. Yeah, no rundown of the points, no rundown of the blocks, no explanation of anything. Forget now, forget just calling moves. I mean, that's let's not get complicated here. You know what I mean? Like. Well, I'm, I'm especially not going to throw stones at that because I have no fucking clue. But <laughs> that's why I don't want to do the I don't want to do the play by play. No, I agree. But if you're a play by play man, you should know this. exactly. You should like, go for it. Yeah. Like we're idiots, but who cares? You know, like just I'm not taking any, I'm not taking anybody's money to be a play by play guy. So this is going to be your favorite one, and I'm leaving out so much. But this is going to be your favorite one. 
about halfway through the show, Sonny Ono sets him up. He he sets him up to plug what I assume was Wrestle Universe, right? Like if you want to watch the rest of this great action, here's how you do it. So Sonny Ono says, so Rob, how can these great fans continue to watch this tournament? You know, a, 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 a yeah, a, yeah, get the plug in, yeah, dude, yeah, for sure. Tell these fans how they could watch the rest of this tournament. Hawkman, no clue, and he's going, oh yeah, well, um, yeah, these fans could go to the great website Noah.com, and they could check out all this great action. Number one, <laughs> what is it? Is this Noah.com go to some like oh, religious website? I'm gonna actually... punch it in, buddy. You're gonna you're gonna die. Punch Welcome, in Noah.com. Enter twins birth photo album. <laughs> what? It is a baby photo album oh, of some wow. kid named Noah. And it's from like 1998. It's like an angel fire My page. My God, what Look a great it. website. Unbelievable. It's getting it's getting record hits because yeah. I've been talking about God this protect our troops. I support the sh- soldiers. And then there's just three pages of Noah being born. Baby pictures. It's a dead. <laughs> what a. It's a dead <laughs> personal website. That's this guy's renewing it every single year, though. That's the that's the important part, though. I think Noah is 26 years old now. This is like, <laughs> right. I want Yeah, we we got to find this Noah. I think we can do it. You know, honestly, this is my project for the weekend. I will try to find this Noah for you. So, I'm almost positive. I'll do a who is who is search for this guy here. Let's see what we can do here. Anyway, go so on. I'm I'm almost positive. Although his dad, who probably registered, is probably dead now. <laughs> the guy who registered this, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. It's like so 74 I, at this point now. So. I'm sure that was meant to be a Wrestle Universe plug, right? But he didn't even have the plug straight, and he just made up a URL along the way. <laughs> he just assumed it was Noah.com. I mean, this guy – and – oh, oh, and here's the other thing. They both sounded like they were on two cans and a string, okay? I am convinced that Hockman was on his cell phone doing the commentary. That's the other thing about it too. So an absolute disaster from every aspect. Just terrible. And I can't imagine a first-time viewer ever trying another show out. That was that was show-killing commentary to yeah. the point where someone who watched would never watch again, no matter how good the matches were. So, flat-out atrocious. I think I can get him. What do you got on Noah here? I think I got it. Let me uh, – yeah, I'll, I'll reach out. See if this is the the true. I, I I was able to was able to dive in. Oh oh boy, I think I got it. I think I got it. Well, the site was registered in 1995. In case you're curious, I told you it's from the fucking 90s. Yeah, I'm this this kid who was this kid. How old does that make the kid? 25. I told you the kid was 26 <laughs> right. years old. Yeah. So the kid domain they- domain expires uh, August 26, 2023. So uh, get your uh, uh, maybe inform wrestling Noah. This is the time when they can swoop in. Uh, and try to get it. And there is a contact name and uh, email address. I'm not going to mention it here because uh, I don't want to do that. But I will, I'm going to email this person that's on the contact list and ask if Noah.com is there. Because it might just be like the name of the guy that like – I don't know. I don't know. But looking at picture, well, you know what? Rich. I think I got him. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the dad holding the baby. Yeah. And I'm looking at the uh, man that I found. Yeah. We got him. Looks like him. <laughs> We're going to get Noah on the show. Let's do it. This was a website set up. For a newborn baby who is now older than Kato Kiyomi. <laughs> right. <laughs> How do I explain the reason why I'm emailing this man? After the show, let's you and I, we'll... We'll, 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 we'll have to figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out of how the best way. But you I, I think... You want to harass I, 
guy? Like, is that? Yeah, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to harass him. I just want to like let him know that we've been talking about. If he sees a spike in website traffic, uh, this is the reason did. why. Hawkman told everybody to go to Noah's <laughs> to go to his website, and then we just want to ask like how Noah's doing. Um, a little bit about the website. Like, I, I think this could be a story. So, I like this. No, this is definitely him. I'm, I'm at his LinkedIn page, and I'm at the uh, the first picture of Noah.com. Yeah, we got him. This is him. Good job. For sure. So job. I will. Uh, yeah, I'll send you the information and see uh, see what we can do here. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. We got about a uh, about a half an hour left in the show. Let me, uh, let me let's jump to. I want to talk about this Dragon Gate uh, cage match. You have not seen it yet because I guess you've been busy watching other wrestling for some reason, right? Man, I didn't get to it. You didn't I, get to it. That's okay. My, my classic. You know, listen. My highly touted time management skills have failed me. I've had a rough uh, thirty-two hours here. So no, I did not get to the the Dragon Gate cage match. Yeah, so you are fine. Um, Joe, watch this match. Incredible, incredible Dragon Gate Cage match. They're always good. This one was particularly awesome. I loved this one. It's one of my favorite ones in years. Uh, Case Low has a great review at VoiceWrestling.com. Uh, the Open the Voice Gate guys obviously did a great job covering it on this week's podcast. So if you want extensive Dragon Gate coverage, that is where you go here. But I will just tell you, uh, do, do you want me to spoil anything or do you want to go in fresh? I think it's honestly I'm better ar- if you I'm go ar- in fresh. I'm already spoiled. You're already spoiled? Okay. So I will say, if, when, when you do watch it, it, it's a great – I'm glad we had that discussion we just had about Noah – Right there with with a terrible announcing, because the flip side of that was Jay and Ho Ho Lun on English commentary, which you can get you can go to Dragon Gate streaming site. The English commentary, I think that stays up forever, right? Because like the uh, Japanese is weird. The Japanese goes all away for after a week and it doesn't come back for like a month and a half or some shit like that. I'm I think the, the English they keep up no matter what because they don't I, care. To, there's no competing, you know. That might be true. I I'm the worst person to. to I remember think that's that. the case, but if if I'm wrong, sorry, but. I think you're good for another few days to go on to, to the Dragon Gate streaming service and, and listen to the so English this, commentary. So this was this was good English. Oh commentary. my god, it was incredible. So the the, the the get ready for the main event, and you'll appreciate this too because Ho Ho Lun is your Rob Hockman. He has no fucking clue what's going on whatsoever, and who can blame him? I mean, the Dragon Gate rules and the Dragon Gate everything is very difficult for most people to understand. Better or worse than Yoshitatsu? Remember him doing New Japan? Um. Better because it was more endearing. Yeah. Yoshitatsu was just annoyingly dumb about everything. Yeah. Or a whole, whole one. It was great. So he's like, uh, so uh, what happens if they get the flag? And Jay's like, all right, great, great question. Hold on. Well, this is like, what I, and then, so you know, he's basically asking these like did basic questions. Him, did he refer to him as ho ho No, I don't think so. Time. I don't think so. No, he just That said, would be awesome. Great question, ho ho one. I don't think he, he did not do that, but I, I wish he did. That would have been even better. Call, well, oh, hold on. I have more questions. Did he call him Ho-Ho? Because that's I funny. I don't think he called him Ho-Ho. I don't think he called him anything, unfortunately. So. What did he call him? He got to call him something? I think he just responded to his questions. At some point, you got to refer to I, the man. Maybe he did. I don't remember if he called him Ho-Ho or Ho-Ho-Lun or whatever. So it doesn't matter. But... I'm curious. I got to find that out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But either way, yeah. So, so you know, we start out with the, dra- the, the, the cage match. Jay goes... All right, the rules of this cage match are very simple. Of course, 14 minutes later, oh, he's done. Yeah, they're right? definitely not, definitely not simple. Yeah. Yeah. The rules are very simple. And then 26 minutes later, and those are the rules. Like, that's all it is to it. So, yeah. you know, and the best part about this is a whole lot is listening to all this and taking it all in. He kind of had like an Art Donovan, but like in a way more endearing way, like not yeah. annoying way, because it would finish. And then the best part is a whole lot had an idea. He's like, well, then the guys can run in. 
Because Jay's like, there's no rules. There's no disqualification. You can do whatever you want. And Ho-Lun's like, well, the guys are just going to run in. And he's like, ah, except yeah. for running in. You can't run in. And he's like, ah, damn it. The best <laughs> yeah, part was yeah. Ho-Lun thinking he had one over on Jay. Right. Like, well, the guys are just going to run in. He's like, no, you can't run in. You can interfere outside of the cage. You can prevent people from leaving the cage, but you can't go in the cage. You can't get in right. the cage to do that. So anyway, they go through all the rules. They go through all the scenarios. They go through all that sort of stuff. The best part about this is after Ho-Lun asks like 26 different questions, goes, well, I'm just asking this for the audience at home that doesn't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like the classic, I know what's going on, but can you very slowly and detailedly, you know, in as much detail as possible, explain to the viewers how this works, Jay, please. You know, like. So you said you're a doctor because I have a friend who has this lump on his dick right. and I was wondering like, yeah, like that kind of deal. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was great. Like, Oh, well, you know, just so everybody knows I'm asking on behalf of people that are maybe, you know, haven't watched Dragon Gate before. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I loved it. It was, it was perfect, but it was really, really good. And Jay's just incredible. He's, if you haven't listened to his, his commentary recently, when he first started doing stuff with Larry Dallas, you could tell there was a certain, there was a certain like apprehension, similar to Kiyomiya. Oh, yeah. It's like this dude just got a mic and said, all right, do Dragon Gate English commentary. And he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> like I'll do it. And he was fine. Like he knows everything about Dragon Gate. You know what I mean? Nobody knows more about Dragon Gate you know, than him, Mike Spears and, and, and Case Lowe. And obviously Jay's level of expertise even blows those guys away. And that's no nothing against those guys. It's just no. Jay knows fucking everything about Dragon Gate. So, yeah. um, so like at first he was just a guy that knew a lot about Dragon Gate, but he's becoming a good announcer. He's got confidence. He's carrying the, 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 you know, the broadcast. He's carrying, you know, he lets you know about the rules. He lets you know who everybody is. He's really gotten good. Like, I really cannot put over how well that was. And Holon just added enough of, like, real commentary to it. Like, mostly asking him questions, and then Jay would just go on and, and, and talk a little bit. And, and Holon knew when to kind of stay out of the way and let Jay kind of run the show. So really, really cool stuff there if you're going to listen to the English commentary. Doesn't take away from the product at all. So that's what yeah. always helps. But, uh, yeah, the match itself was incredible. Really, really good stuff. Uh, you get a big turn with Kai turning on Yamato uh, to join R.E.D. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimo Dragon coming out to save Yoshino's career. Because Yoshino, you know, if he, if he didn't win, he would have to, you know, retire on the spot. Ultimo Dragon comes out to a huge pop uh, to save Yoshino. Uh, Shimizu loses. Eita uh, and, and R.E.D. kind of not, not necessarily turn on him, but basically just kind of kick him to the corner and say whatever. Because now he can't be, he's got to be out of R.E.D., He's got to shave his head. He's got to go back to, you know, the old Shimizu. He can't be big R anymore. So just a lot right. of really cool stories involved in that Kai turning on him. And the the, the great part about that, too, is they, the, the Kai story they told, and Dragon Gate was so good at the multi-layered stories, is that Kai comes in first, or he's one of the first two guys in there. And his story is he can run out of the cage right away if he wants, but then he has to join R.E.D. If he's the right. first one out, he has to join R.E.D. And he's got an opportunity to go, but he doesn't want to join there. And then, you know, Yoshino's getting beaten up, beaten up, beaten up, or Yamato's getting beaten up, beaten up, and he doesn't come down to help him. And Yamato's like, come on and help me. Like, you know, you don't want to go outside of the ring now. You want to help me go out. I go out first, then you can go out, and then we're good. Everyone's settled. I win. You know, I don't get, I don't have to wear boxer briefs or whatever the hell Yamato's thing was. I think it was something like that. And you don't have to jar an R.E.D., so come help me out. And Kai doesn't immediately come because he's in a perfect position to walk out of the, the cage. Right, so Yamato right. does eventually beat up who he needs to, gets up to the top of the cage, and then goes, okay, let me get the flag, and then you get the flag, and then this is perfect. And then Kai hits him yeah. over the head with the you know, the big drum. And turns on him. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. It's just, Oh, my God. The way they did it caught me by complete surprise, too. Just a, a perfect turn, the way they did it. Yeah, yeah. and that, that, you know, when Dragon Gate, you know, these cage matches are always booked like that, you know, where it's just, yeah, it's hard to predict, and it's always so well done, you know, in, in that way. And with Big R pressing the reset button on him 
I mean, I think we both agree. We didn't like the direction. His no, I didn't like. He got a little so, too sleazy, a little too junky yeah. to me. So yeah, I, um, yeah, he looks like someone who belongs in like six 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 or uh, <laughs> right, right, yeah, heat up or something like yeah, like or just like some shitty like he's he's in the opener uh, like a six man opener of like a fortune dream show or whatever. Yeah, or like team with Trans Am or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, like finishing in eighth place in the Zero One Fire Festival. Like that's what he looks like, you know. So it's like he definitely needed that fresh coat of paint for sure. So yeah, beautifully done. And then it's all up to Big R and um, and Yoshino as the final two guys. As you said, Red you know tries to you know get in there and and help Big R, but then you know Ultimate Dragon comes out and 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 you know. Saves Yoshino, saves one of his early, you know, his mentor or, or, or Yoshino's mentor saves him. Yoshino escapes. He's good. Uh, and then Shimizu was out of out of R.E.D. But yeah, tremendous, tremendous work. And and one of those matches, too, where like normally and, and, and we talk about this all the time. It's all about like we don't want wrestling to be one way. We don't want every wrestler to be the same way. A match like this in a lot of other companies, I would eye roll and think kind of sucks. It's a bunch of dudes in a cage. It's a bunch of gimmicks on top of gimmicks on top of gimmicks on top of gimmicks. There's guys throwing baseballs at each other. There's guys they had an air horn this time and they were using the air horn in each other's ears and stuff, which is actually hilarious. It's it's great. KZ found an air horn and just decided, oh, this is kind of cool. So he just sprays an air. He just blares this air horn in guys' ears the entire time. It's really really good. Stuff. And, and they're like selling it and falling. Yeah off yeah the- oh yeah yeah. They're at the top of the cage and then KZ comes over and goes. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like holding their ears. Yeah like yeah. It's perfect. It's great. It. Yeah, it's awesome. And, like, that would suck in most other companies, but Dragon Gate does it so well. And that's what we say. It's not about, like, one thing or, or wrestling being one thing, but it's about it fitting the, the, the ethos and fitting fitting the company. And this yes. shit fits Dragon Gate perfectly. So, yeah, go out of your way to watch this one. I, I know Case went four and a uh, half with it. Uh, I'm probably right there with him. I just absolutely loved it. thought it was tremendous, tremendous stories. You know, the work itself isn't, you know, blow away. It's just, like, guys trying to get out of a cage, but there's enough story. Yeah, it's a story. You're in there for the story. You're being, you know, taken down a path, and they absolutely do a great job of it here. So, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch the whole show for sure. So, yeah, I've heard the whole show is like a show of the year contender. So, I, I will also do the same thing where I'll try to watch everything. So, yeah, yeah, just you know, there's a lot of wrestling going on right now. So, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right, so we got what do we got here? I got about forty, or not forty minutes, twenty minutes to go. Um, do we even talk about this WWE pay per view? Do we care? Ah, we gotta do it. All right. So rumor has it there's a pay per view this weekend, Clash of Champions. Bobby Lashley, Apollo Cruz, U.S. title. Rich, get into it. <laughs> get into what? They're not into it. Little live instant reaction this weekend, maybe? Huh? Hell no. Maybe. Ah, maybe. Oh, maybe. Be. I don't know. It's the only opportunity. Like, dude, if I don't watch Wait, this what match, is that? it's Sunday, dude. I don't think I don't want to do that. Sunday. Yeah, get I out of here. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Because if I don't watch it on Sunday, I'm never going to watch it. Or I'll just do something else with my night. We'll see what happens. I'll let you know. So, Not you. Yeah. You're out of it. You're, you're exempt. You're not doing it. I will do an instant reaction if I need to. But you're out. Okay? Uh, maybe not a live one. Just do the old school and yeah, put it on the $5. Yeah, yeah. You know? That way it doesn't have to be on the, on, you know, no pressure. Yeah. So, Bobby Lashley, Apollo Cruz for the uh, 80th time here for the U.S. title. Yeah. <laughs> that is a match. Indeed, that is happening on Sunday at WWE Clash of Champions. Uh, Asuka versus Selena Vega for the Raw Women's Championship. So, I mean. They couldn't wait to get Selena Vega away from Andrade and Angel Garza, and now she's got a title match. Where, yeah, they're going to fuck her up, too, yeah. is basically what's happening here. Um, you know, so. Because Mickey James is old and, and fat, so we got to get her out of here. 
quick as possible. So Peggy just, James. Yeah, can, can you believe that? Has that woman never looked good? I mean, I, has she never not looked good? I know, I mean, she's phenomenal. She's incredible. She's hotter than ever, too. <laughs> like they, from the minute they brought her in, they thought she was fat and ugly. Like, from the moment they brought her in. It's like, baffling. What are you guys looking at? Yeah, Vince just decided, ah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's great. I don't know. God, yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, Raw tag team titles, the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. Angel Garza and Andrade were arguing with each other. Selena Vega's out of the picture. Now they're buddies again. So. Oh, no, no, no. They full-on broke up. The team broke up. <laughs> and now not only are they back together, but they're they're getting a tag team yeah. title shot. Rich, as low as we think WWE can go, we've had moments on this show where we've said it's the worst it's ever been. It cannot get any lower. It continues to get worse. This is this stretch. I really, 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 really honestly think this. This is so laughably, ridiculously bad what they're doing right now. Nothing makes sense. Week to week, nothing makes sense. There's no cohesive stories. Nobody's being pushed. It's a disaster. It is, it, And that's the thing. We're not angry about it anymore because it's so bad. And yeah. it seems like irredeemable. Like, I don't even know what you do. You you have it's to weird. you go away for six months. You have to go dark for six months and come back at this point. Well, I mean, look, the comparisons to peak bad at WCW continue. Because what did WCW do every time it got this ugly? They pressed the reset button. Because the only thing you can do to redeem this is press the reset button. And they're never going to do that in this company. But that was always WCW's answer. Ah, fuck it. Put a new person in charge. And start it over from scratch. That's the point we've reached here. It's This is the worst that WWE has ever been in their entire history in every way. In every way. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, it's this, this show is ridiculous. Garbage. This show is ridiculous. Yeah, Andre and Angel Garza, like you said, broke up. Uh, Peyton Royce and Billy broke up. And they're not allowed to team anymore, but they're friends again. The Riot Squad's just back together because... Because they do things with no plan There's whatsoever. Nothing. There's no. Th- what do we break down? What do we talk about? What do we react to? There's nothing. It just happens. Yeah. Shit just it's happens. Like, it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's like trying to break down Thunder episodes. <laughs> right, the- yeah. That's what this is now. Because they don't have a plan. They just do things to do them. You know, there's there's no plan at all. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's irredeemably bad. It's just they've, yeah, and, and, and you know, we stopped breaking down their booking probably two years ago. But now there's just no point at all just... You cannot analyze something that is completely random. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't predict something that has no pattern or is completely random. So and you can't analyze something that has no patterns and is completely yeah, it's random. It's us it's us breaking down if it's gonna be heads or tails as we're flipping a coin. Well, I think it's gonna be tails yeah. because it was heads like no, you don't know. It's fucking to be one or the other. Like Yeah. You know, this team will break up or they'll win or every every team's breaking up, everyone's going away. Like it nothing nothing matters. It's all it's like good it's like a roulette wheel. It's yeah. just chance it's just chance. You cannot Me saying, Joe, it's gonna be thirteen because it was eleven last time, and you're like, Well, why did you come to that conclusion? I'm like, I don't know. Like Exactly yeah. <laughs> it just seems like it's the time for it to be thirteen. You're like, All right, whatever. Like Mm-hmm. And then it's twelve, and I'm like, oh well, close. It didn't happen, but <laughs> that's what it is. WWE is a roulette wheel now. It's just everything's completely <laughs> random. The ball bounces, and that's fourteen. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> What's the other hot match coming? What's match number four here? Oh, I... Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn in a ladder match. Let's get, <laughs> let's get, it. add it to the count. How many ladder matches is that? Oh my god. <laughs> Could you imagine being the one of these three men and and 
being forced to put your body on the line. I know. And AJ, AJ, Jeff Hardy is over 40. Broken down beyond belief. AJ Styles is over 40. Sami Zayn's obviously broken down. What? <laughs> Why? Why would you do this? Why? I hope Why? these guys put no effort into it. But I know they won't because they're they all these guys try really hard. So Jeff Hardy's definitely doing a swanton off a ladder through a table. Sami Zayn's gonna do something crazy too. AJ, I don't know. He'll probably just hang around in the back. But um yeah. yeah, that's our 28th ladder match of the year. So get into it, get excited. Um and this was built by Sami Zayn losing, by the way, which is incredible. Yeah. He came back and said, I'm the real champion, and then lost. <laughs> and then yeah. got a title shot. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, I guess I, I, this doesn't sound right, but uh, two on three handicap for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Doesn't Is that true? Right. Is that true? I, fuck if I know. You think I watched this shit? I don't know. Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura defending their titles against the Lucha House Party. Presumably all three of them, I guess. Ah, is that true? Hold on a minute. Let me let me find out. If that's actually true. So, you know, well, listen. I copied I mean, and pasted that from another website, but it seems unreasonable. But I mean, well, Rich, this is this is classic <laughs> pro wrestling psychology with two heels facing three baby faces. So why wouldn't they uh, be doing this? <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh. I, I, no, I okay. I don't think it's two on three. I think it's an and or situation. Like it's a, like whichever two show up. I think it's a know. free bird situation. Yeah. Yeah, just you know whoever wants to wrestle that yeah. night. All right, yeah, great. Good that's to do it. fine. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler, who hate each other uh, against yes. the Riot Squad, Riot Squad, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, who uh, like each other again. For some yeah, reason. the Riot Squad, which broke up. I think they broke up too and got together, back together again, yeah. right? Like, so that's like there's like four tag teams in this company, <laughs> and then the tag team champions don't like each other, right? <laughs> but they stay together, yes, even though they don't like each other, right? So, oh my god, you know. What do you want me to say? I'm mostly upset that the uh, the, the glow-up of Liv Morgan has been regressed back into uh, whatever she is now with the Riot Squad. That's the most disappointing part about this all. Liv Morgan. What about Liv Morgan? Well, she, she's she's back to like wearing the Riot Squad gear anymore. Right? Oh, yeah. She uh, got you know? rid of the leather, right? Yeah, I was kind of into the leather. I won't lie. <laughs> I was into the leather cleavage look that she had going. So so you were being horny there, but not Yes. Obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Be horny. It's the third hour. That's true. You're right. You know? It's the horny hour. You could be horny about Liv Morgan's leather, you know. I don't even think the nurse can get annoyed at that one. I mean, no, she was into it. Remember, she got all she got yeah. all so hot, hot and bothered. Hot and bothered by the Liv Morgan. She was like, "Whoa, remember that? You know? like, who is that?" <laughs> Although like she once time... she found out she was Italian, she didn't like it. She thought she was Nordic and was all into it. But what's her bias against the Italian? You gotta ask her, man. Because I don't know. She's had that one Italian friend that was nuts, and I think that's what it is. Remember. Yeah, but she's got a good Italian friend too, so I don't know what it is. So. so, what's her deal then? I don't know. You gotta ask her. No, she loves the Italians. I think I don't know. You gotta ask her. I don't know. She's I learning Italian right now. I think she's in the other room doing Italian lessons right now. She so. went to Italy. Yeah. So, she's got problems with my people, but she has. <laughs> I, don't no think she, I think she has problems with your people when they live in New Jersey, but um, I think deep down Italians, like like real true Italians, she likes, but not, oh! the, not the Jersey scum. So. What makes You've got to bring it up with her, man. I don't know. I'm just saying. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> what do you think? Like, the, 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 the Italians in New Jersey didn't come from Italy? Like, where I don't know. No. Well, you're uncultured swine once you take... I don't know. Yeah, I'd ask her. I don't know. I think you're projecting through her. No, no. I, I would happened. never. I would never. Are you kidding? Bailey and Nikki Cross. SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't like what I'm hearing here. <laughs> I assure you it's not me. We taught the world how to eat. Remember that, my friend. I, I appreciate it. Okay. What's the match? 
yeah, one second. I'm relaying to the nurse how much longer this show's got to go on for. Five minutes, yep. No, not really. I think it's like, uh, let's see here. Ten minutes. Under ten minutes. Yeah. All right, get out of here. Scram. Bailey, Nikki Cross. Uh, yeah, it's Bailey versus Nikki Cross. <laughs> um, yeah, should be a hell of a contest. <laughs> Rich, I don't want to watch this. I said we were going to just skip this. I don't want to watch it. I, I really don't want to yeah. watch this. Sunday night, there's going to be a football game on. Well, I think there's a really good chance that it's Bailey loses this because, of course, they want to, you know, they want to have the title going into her huge feud with the boss, <laughs> Sasha Banks. So, yeah, why would you want to do that? Yeah. Um, um, no, I mean Bailey's going to win this match, and you would think Nikki Cross is weird and strange or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, Nick, well, I mean, Nikki Cross's friend is now possessed by the. By the <laughs> How bad was that? God, how bad is all of this? It's so horrendous. People are always like, God, you guys should review Raw. No, dude, I'd rather die. Here. I, I, I honestly, people think it would be entertaining, but I don't, know if I, I don't know if I could be funny breaking down a three-hour Raw. Unless people think this segment is good because I think it's horrible. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm tortured and I cannot wait to finish it. Yeah, so. Like, I feel like this is horrible radio, right? People want us to do this for a three-hour Raw and a two-hour SmackDown every week. How much respect do you have for Dave and Brian and, and Sean Ross Sapp and, and John Pollock and and, 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 and and why doing this or – is it why or It's way? way. It's way. It's way. But that's fine. It, it, I pronounce everything wrong. For doing – twice a week they I do know, this. I know. I look at them like tweeting on Mondays. I'm like out doing whatever and I look and they're just like, that doesn't make any sense. What's Retribution doing? And I'm like, oh my god. I they can't have- believe it. And then they have to punch record at fucking midnight – and talk yes. about raw. <laughs> like every Monday and Friday, these men have to not only watch these shows, which is torturous enough, then they have to, like you said, at fucking midnight, break them down. They have to break down the unbreakdownable twice a week, and then three times a week when there's a pay per view. What a tortured existence! I mean, I don't think the listeners can comprehend how horrible that must be the way that we comprehend how horrible that must be. It just has to be the fucking worst. I, I can't, Rich, I can't. What price tier would induce you to want to do that to your life? Honestly, none, really. I mean, money, I is, not, money is not that important. Like, I, I, I love money. That's great. But, like, I, I couldn't do it. I would hate my life if I had to every Monday sit down and watch Raw, you know? Get the bag of popcorn ready and watch fucking Monday Night Raw. And watch the Raw-exclusive contracted T-Bone or whatever the fuck his name is. If there was a $50 tier. No. <laughs> you got to hear me out. How many people would have to subscribe to it where you'd say, I can commit my Mondays and Fridays <laughs> to, Raw, to Raw and SmackDown? I guess, like, presumably I'll be at, like, a beautiful estate in, like, the hills of Malibu or something like that. So it's, it's a three hour commitment to watch and then like a two hour commitment to put it down on the wax and put it out to the listeners, a five hour commitment to Monday night raw every Monday. And then four days later doing it again for, for the SmackDown where the fiend resides <laughs> and they possess how, the many, Bliss, yeah. how many subscribers would it take at the $50 tier? Get your cat. Hold on. Maybe, maybe a thousand. 
thousand. Yeah, we're fifty k there. Fifty thousand a month. I know it's really that bad though. I don't think I would care. I, I don't. Uh, that money. My time is more valuable than that. To be honest. And fifty thousand a month. Yeah, I think so. Because what tortured existence do I live? My nice house, <laughs> and I have to say no, 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 honey, I can't do anything. I have to watch Retribution. I have to watch Slapdick or whatever the fuck Retribution's guy's name is. You know, T Bone and Slapdick or whatever the fuck their names are. What is it? T Bone. Is it T Bone? I thought it was T. I thought it was T Bar and Slapjack. It's it's T Bar. You said T Bone. I said T Bone. Right, right, right. T Bone is the Gypsy NXT UK wrestler. <laughs> T Bone. Who I think was outed as a creep, but yeah, I don't I know. Say, I think so too. It's probably a good chance. To be honest, you just say that a UK guy was probably a creep, and you're going to be right 75 percent of the time. So allegedly, for legal allegedly, purposes. Yes. Um, no, it's yeah, it's T bar. T bar. Mace. Not not not. Mace I was going to say Puff Daddy of Puff Daddy fame. No, not Mace Murder the rapper. Uh, not Mace. Ooh, World. you go, you go. Let's go with Mace Murder. Yeah, Dude, classic Joe Lanza passing the tapes around Harlem. Yeah, all right, let's go. Listen, I know things. Okay, I do a gimmick here. You like, you like Big L, Big L, Little Murder Mace. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you know Harlem World. Remember? So, yeah. Oh yeah. I know what's going on, man. Um, and who's the other one? Uh, rebound know. or rerun? <laughs> rebound, or rerun, something like that. What's the third one? What's I Mia? Yeah, fucking no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, if you're asking me, I honestly don't know. I don't. I don't really care either. So it, it, there's T bar, Mace, <laughs> um, Eight Ball, or something like eight that. Ball, eight Ball Crush Skull. Oh yeah, probably not Eight Ball, right? Because there already was an Eight Ball. Um, that'd be you know. You think Vince remembers Eight Ball? No. Like seriously, you think zero if you, zero hey, percent man, chance zero percent hey, chance. Remember Eight Ball? You think he'd know who you were talking about? Or no? No, zero percent chance. He would have no clue. You don't think so? Never. Do you think he remembers the pug Alex Porto? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I'm serious. You think he remembers? Uh, no, no. There's no way. No. How about, I think a few years ago I would say yes to some of these, but now at this point I don't know if he knows what he did an hour ago. So interesting. Do you think he remembers that Rebel Dick Slater was in his company in 1986? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he's one of these guys probably, like, not not dissimilar to us, where, like, he probably remembers stuff from, like, 30 years ago, but can't remember what happened last week. Okay, so. But not, yes, I don't know, but Dick Slater's tough, though. That that one might be tough. He wasn't there long. I yeah. think he might remember him because he flopped, and maybe he was upset that it didn't work out. Like, ah, I brought in Dick Slater. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't draw me a dime, right? Like, he might look at it from that perspective. Right, but I don't think he remembers <laughs> the pug Alex Porto. He does not remember. No, I don't think he remembers them. You know, um, do you think he remembers um, the goon? Memorable gimmick, Wild Bill Irwin as the mm. hockey player. I vote no on the goon. How did he wrestle in those boots? Because they were shaped like they were skate. huge. Yeah, they were huge scale. They didn't wrestle well. I'll tell you that they weren't good. But, uh, but I'm I am always amazed by that. Yeah, his his outfit was wild, and and he was. It was okay. I mean, do you remember his entrance theme? It was dun dun. Yes. Like that kind of shit. Like arena sounds was his entrance music, and his finishing move was a was a was a body check into the rope. <laughs> it's actually rules. Yeah, someone needs to bring that know. back. Someone needs to bring the goon back for sure. Because he never won, so it's like I think he had one jobber match ever, and if you didn't see it, how would you ever know what his finisher was? Because then he was doing jobs for everybody else. You know what I mean? Um, 
Do you think Vince remembers Public Enemy? Yes, only because like, um, because like internally everybody hated them. And he basically sent guys out to like fucking shoot, stiff them. You know what I mean? Like the Bradshaw would come in and stiff them. So he probably remembers those guys for sure. That's a good point. Because Bradshaw would say something and he would laugh. Ah, ha, ha, yeah. <laughs> Show them. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that, they, they stuck out in his memory because he hated them enough. Like, I, I think the people he hates, he probably still remembers. Right, right. Like, he doesn't, the goon's like, whatever. He doesn't really, you know. I'm trying to think who would be the most high profile guy who worked for him that he has no memory of anymore. Do you think? Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> 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 so it'd be Michael Tarver, right? <laughs> right, right. Michael Tarver. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even have a follow up. <laughs> How about Jimmy Yang in the ring doing the show? The cowboy, cowboy yeah. Yang or whatever, yeah. He's in, the, he's in the ring. You never heard this one. He's in the ring doing spots with Big Show. Oh, yeah. He's like, ah, right, he's pretty damn good. We should sign he's that been, guy, right? No, no. He was visiting. And 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 Vince is watching him practice spots with Big Show. And he turns to the agent. And he goes, how come we haven't done anything with Jimmy lately? <laughs> and the agent's like, we, we cut him t- two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you fired him two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh god Jimmy looks great <laughs> god god damn. Damn. look at him in there. look at him go look at Jimmy go how come we haven't done anything with Jimmy Yang oh my god <laughs> well we know he remembers Jimmy Wang Yang or whatever yeah yeah so you remember <laughs> <laughs> I would lo- I would love to know if he remembers Alex the Pug Portel. Like, <laughs> someone we need someone on the inside to ask. We do. We need yeah. someone to ask that question. Oh my God! Do you think he, he is aware of half the people on the NXT current? <laughs> God no! Oh no way! No? no way! How many of the women in that battle royal? Oh, I got it. I mean, he's better. He's a better man than me if he knows a fucking quarter of them. Uh, do you know something called Avery was eliminated from the Battle Royal on NXT <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> I, I, like, <laughs> oh, is, she the NXT, is she the NXT UK girl? Or no. no? Is this different no. Avery? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking of Avery from Australia. Yeah, this is a different Avery? No, this, this is like some PC scrub named Avery. And like she gets eliminated, and, the, and I never saw her in my life. And whoever was calling the show was like, oh, and Avery's eliminated. <laughs> They're just making people up now. Like, they're just – half the people in the Battle Royal were wearing, like, generic gear. Like, they didn't name them when they well, got eliminated. I mean, half the roster has COVID, so that's <laughs> – they've run into some issues as of late, so. Yeah. They're just they're just making people up in that Battle Royal. You know? You think Vince knows who Tegan Knox is? God, no. No clue. You don't think so? Zero clue. Do you think Vince – I'm going to try to push it as far as I can to someone who he really should know who. Okay. Do you think Vince knows who Cameron Grimes is? Yeah, I think so. How about North American champ Damian Priest? I think he knows Priest. Yeah. 
that seems like a guy that they would show a tape to Vince and say, what do you think of this guy? And he's like, ah, goddamn, good luck. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, they just push him after that. You know what I mean? Knowing that it's not going to be completely aborted at some point. So, I I think Priest has to get a look. I I, I think someone showed him a tape of Priest. Do you think he knows that Killian Dane was once on the main roster? No. I don't think so either. Yeah, because that just looks like a generic, tall, bearded dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, for sure. He has no clue. Yeah, I don't think he remembers that. I also either. don't think he knows that Johnny Gargano was ever on the main roster either. You don't think he remembers no, that? No. They kind of pushed him for like a week. Yeah. Remember Gargano and Daddy's Home hated yes. each other on NXT? But they <laughs> and were the joined and they were like plucky baby faces from 1984 on the main yeah. roster. Yeah. Slapping hands with the fans. <laughs> high five. Right. right. <laughs> like they're the fucking high flyers. You know? Yeah. Great job. Good effort. Anyway, that's your uh, Roman Reigns Jey Uso Universal Championship. Oh yeah, what is it? What's this show? Fully loaded or uh, fucking... Clash of not the Clash of Champions? So. Clash of Champions. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Drew McIntyre defending the title against Randy Orton. A little ambulance. I thought match. this was. I thought this was WWE Bad Blood. <laughs> bad with two D's. Bad blood. Was it two D's? It was two D's. Yeah. Bad blood. Yep. Okay. How many of those? Were there? There was 97. That might have been it. No, they Over brought it back the in like 2003. They brought it. But I think they lopped a D off in 2003 when they brought it back. So Roadblock right. end of the line. <laughs> yes, I that definitely roadblock end of the line. Uh, could be the end of the line for Drew McIntyre. Uh, that is the end of the line of this fucking Not podcast. to be confused yeah. with Roadblock. Which is- <laughs> right. There's the two different pay-per-views in the roadblock. same year. Remember when they had two yeah. roadblocks in the same year? <laughs> yes. God damn this company. Jesus Christ. Well, Roman right. Reigns is going to tank his shirt off and wrestle shirtless. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it's a big news going around the uh, the, yeah. the sheets, as the kids say. <laughs> it's that Roman Reigns getting new music, and he's going to take the shirt off. So, Well, that's roadblock into the line. Yeah, that's, that's that. So we uh, will not be covering it live on Sunday, but maybe I'll cover it afterwards. But probably not. Given, given our haphazard uh, preview, I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I want to do on Sunday. I'm already dreading. I haven't even agreed to do it in my head. I didn't agree with you. I didn't promise anything, and I'm already dreading thinking about doing it. So. Um, we'll see. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> End of the line for your, uh, this voice wrestling flagship podcast. Anyway, patreon.com, uh, slash voices of wrestling, my bookie promo code VOW, double your first deposit, 100% deposit match up to a thousand dollars. You put a thousand dollars in, they'll give you a thousand dollars at my bookie promo code VOW. And that is it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast. Take care. <laughs>